Instead of syncing your phone with iTunes, downloading an MP3 into your mobile device, you can stream episodes of MTR with the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Stitcher allows you to listen to My Take Radio via your 4G, 3G, or Wi-Fi connections. Downloading it is quick and easy. Head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take and you'll even be eligible to win some money. Enter my take all one word in the promo box and you'll be eligible to win $100 courtesy of my take radio and Stitcher. MTR Live starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What is going on, guys? My Take Radio, episode 154, for Thursday, September 13th, 2012. Our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, our call-in number 347-324-3541. You can use that number to call in and share your thoughts on the show, but you can also use that number to listen to the show on your mobile device as well. Just don't press the number one option And that way you won't end up in the guest queue and you can listen to the show that way. Our feedback line is 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. All right. Obviously, last week we didn't do a show. Wanted to share some stuff regarding that. But first off, I want to take a moment and acknowledge all the fans that have been sharing and liking and commenting on all the great stuff we've been doing on the Facebook fan page We just decided to take a different approach and kind of touch on a whole bunch of different topics. It's kept the fan page interesting. A lot of great conversations on there. Um, A lot of regulars are coming out, sharing their thoughts on stuff. It's really been great, and we really appreciate it. It's it's definitely something that makes us happy. Uh, Myself, Slick, Andrea, we're all posting stuff, doing stuff behind the scenes just to get the fan page popping. A lot of people are talking about all the stuff we post. It's being shared so much. And I wanted to take a moment and say thanks for that. Also, I also wanted to say that our, our our fan numbers are growing. Please continue to recommend us to your fellow MMA fans, wrestling fans, entertainment fans, gamers, geeks, you name it. Uh, we cover it, especially on our site. For those of you that don't visit MyTakeRadio.com often, you should. Besides our core four topics that we discuss, we also go into comics. We discuss tech as well. A lot of different things, and I'm going to share some stuff that we're going to be doing in the next couple of weeks later on in the broadcast to kind of spice things up a bit. Also, be advised that we will be at New York Comic Con next month. Uh, That's going to run from October 11th through the 14th. We will be there in some fashion those four days. Myself, Slick, 
Andrea, Josh, uh, who knows? Hopefully we'll get some stuff done up special for Comic-Con. So if you're in New York City and you're going to stop through, make sure to look for us. Oh, of course, hit us up on Twitter or Facebook, and it'd be great to meet some of you guys that are local here in New York City as well. At the start of the broadcast, I, of course, played our pre-roll, letting you guys know that you can listen to the show on Stitcher. Uh, Stitcher's actually been going through a lot of really great overhauls. They did some really good stuff for iOS. They're making some improvements also to the Android app. But the most important thing is that Stitcher is now being included in a lot of vehicles as well. So if you're uh, getting a new Mercedes or maybe even some of the new Ford vehicles, you'll be able to listen to Stitcher through those vehicles and also get access to MTR as well. Also remember that My Take Radio is also on TuneIn Radio and also syndicated through Futurecast Media. All right. Now, obviously, I took off last week, and I want to get into that a little bit. Coming off Labor Day weekend, doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes between the show and uh, work and etc. Just, just burned. I was burned out. Burned out. Going to sleep at 3 a.m., seeing weird shit in my sleep, all kinds of crazy stuff. So rather than come on and give you guys a lackluster show, I decided to give myself uh, a forced day off. You know, coming off Labor Day, not too much was going on. I mean, there was some stuff, but it wasn't It wasn't on the level that it was this week. This week, you know, we got, we're going to discuss the Jerry Lawler situation. We're going to get into the TNA pay-per-view. We're going to talk about the Wii U, which Slick actually did a really cool experiment. He actually live-blogged the Wii U stuff and did it on the site, so awesome job on that, and he'll probably be calling in to share some of his insight, because he watched the video, I ended up watching parts of it, and then get reading all the other information via RSS, so I know he's got to have some stuff to add with regards to that. I was going to have Ben join me tonight for MMA, but we are, we're probably going to go the full three hours, so I gave Ben a rain check. Anybody that has anything to add to any of our segments is welcome to call, which... Again, 347-324-3541 is the number. Now, lots of content on MTR. We got three new Beyond the Mics on there, um, including with the creative team for Roxer, the Gamer Goddess, and the creative minds at Project Triforce as well that make all those awesome Gears of War replicas. And they also are making a life-size Death Scythe from Darksiders 2, which hopefully we'll see at Comic-Con and have pictures All of those Beyond the Mics are on the app already, and they will be released to the general public this weekend. All right. With all those announcements and housekeeping out of the way, let's talk about one thing that's kind of going to go into the monologue and also has to do with what's going to go on with MTR going forward. Um, We picked up a capture card this week, and we're going to start doing some game walkthroughs, we're going to do some live streaming, Uh, I'm contemplating possibly doing a screen share of maybe Monday Night Raw, and playing that, I don't know, either on Ustream or on the site, I gotta figure out a cool way to do it, and just kind of live blogging and talking with you guys while Raw is going on, Um, a buddy of mine was giving me a walkthrough earlier this week if I wanted to pull it off, so we'll see, maybe I'll do it with a Google Hangout. Um, obviously I can't take the video from the hangout and put it on YouTube. I'm sure that WWE will crawl up my ass and file a lawsuit up there. So obviously whatever, whatever we do will be on the fly. 
and it's something that maybe we'll test out next Monday once I get the bugs worked out of this capture card. But the beauty of it is now all of our reviews are going to have some walkthroughs and some stuff. I'll be uh, collaborating with Slick on some of that, and we'll be giving you guys more video content. As always, you can always get all the MTR videos, including our episodes, by heading over to youtube.com forward slash TV. So that's another way that you can get all our content, including the shows, some of our walkthroughs. We're going to do more hardware, definitely more hardware stuff. I use way too many gadgets that I'm not sharing with you guys, especially those that are um, in the podcasting field and doing broadcasting of any sort. It's always nice to kind of walk through some of the stuff I'm using, which you guys may be curious about, and we'll be doing more of that in the coming weeks. We're also, with the with the addition of the capture card, going to start going into app reviews and kind of first impressions on iPad and iPhone and iPod apps, and that's going to be coming up as well. So we're going to do a ton of stuff for My Take Radio TV and also for MyTakeRadio.com. But... And, and I got to stress this, we are definitely got way too much going on. So as a reminder, I got to tell you, if you guys are interested in writing for MTR or contributing uh, content for My Take Radio, you're always welcome to do so, especially if you fall into some of the stuff that we cover. Drop me a line, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. Uh, definitely would love some people well-versed in, in comics that want to share their thoughts on what's going on with Marvel, DC, some of the other publishers. And we need another techie in here. Myself and Slick, we are way too swamped with some stuff. But another another techie, another person that likes to go out and buy the newest phones and play with the newest gadgets, definitely would like some more insight in that department. So again, if you're interested, drop me a line, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. To my fellow content providers out there, uh, those of you that I have really great relationships with, we're, we're always open to guest posts, especially if it's stuff that you guys don't normally cover and you kind of want to share with my audience. Drop me a line. We can discuss how it works, et cetera, et cetera. We got to make some improvements to our forms on the website, and that's going to be happening within the next two weeks. But we're going to try and add more of that content as well. Now, what I wanted to talk about before getting into this week's show was, of course, this past Wednesday was the launch of the iPhone 5. Now, don't expect to hear an Android fanboy rant or an Apple fanboy rant, because the fact is, I I have owned every piece of tech from every one of these companies. I've had Android phones. I'm using Android now. Um, I had a MacBook. I had a... Uh, what the hell is it? A um, Mac Mini, which was my home theater PC for quite some time. Did some really great editing and some stuff with with that. Uh, d- had the iPhone, had the first one, the 3G, the 3GS, and then I kind of stopped there because I'm a T-Mobile subscriber, and clearly T-Mobile and Apple just can't come to terms. But nonetheless, what I wanted to talk about was the fact that with the passing of Steve Jobs, and some people have really been bringing this to my attention quite a bit. It almost feels like Apple is kind of just going through the motions. That's not to say that it's a bad thing, but people are feeling that that Apple's innovation is kind of stagnant at the moment. I mean, the Retina MacBook Pro was huge, and um, everybody kind of jumped on board with that, but the announcements that we saw on Wednesday 
I don't know. I mean, usually when you get Apple announcements, you're you're super excited. I mean, especially me being a techie is as soon as I see it on Gizmodo or The Verge or whatever, I jump in and I'm and I'm waiting. I read every article and when it drops, you know, I go to I I wander into the Apple store and I play around with it and et cetera, et cetera. But I just I've been feeling underwhelmed, especially with regards to what's going on with the iPhone. Obviously, it's it's got a four inch screen, uh, five rows now for icons, a better camera, et cetera, et cetera. And again, a lot of innovations, a different design to an extent, uh, better processor, all those usual bells and whistles that we've come to expect. But there wasn't really a huge wow factor. I mean, you know, HD FaceTime allegedly, which I'd like to see on various carriers, but the fact remains that it just felt like 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 a comfortable hat that you put on that you never wash. That's really how the iPhone 5 felt. I mean, I like the 4S. The 4S is a great phone. And honestly, if I hadn't made the jump to Android, I probably would have been using a 4S on T-Mobile at this point. It takes good photos unless you're taking them in pitch in pitch black, at which point, you know, they're questionable, but I just felt that I was underwhelmed. I do have to commend them for making some nice improvements to the iPod Touch, uh, the Nano, things like that, which are always cool. Some people thought they were they were going to finally put a bullet in the iPod Classic, which I'm glad they didn't. I think there are a lot of people out there that don't need all the bells and whistles. They just want all their music that they can play in their car or in their home theater. And I mean, it's 249 bucks. You get 160 gigs. That's a lot of fucking music. For the rest of us, though, the iPod Touch probably was the device that I felt got the best out of the deal. It got colors now, which everybody's going to be into. I'm not sure how I feel about the whole lanyard thing. It includes a lanyard so you can tie the iPod from your wrist, kind of like what they did with the Wiimote, which is all right. It got a good camera, all the usual bells and whistles, and of course, iOS 6 and a lot of the iCloud stuff. Besides the iPod being something that I was excited about, I was excited about iTunes, and I'll tell you why. Mostly because, as a Windows user, I try to use iTunes as little as possible. I don't know what's happened over the last couple of years, but iTunes has become a completely bloated piece of shit. I'm serious. I mean, they added Wi-Fi sync and all that just because they don't want people to even touch iTunes at this point. But it really has become a bloated piece of shit. My problem is, I have all my mp3s on a a windows server and all of that feeds all the ios devices in in my house my my ipod my ipad my wife's ipod hell even google play which i have it pulled from itunes so i'm kind of stuck in that regard and i just feel that that apple hasn't really done much to make the itunes experience good but based on what i saw now it looks like they're kind of going in that direction kind of making it a little more streamlined a little more clean it's just way too much fucking bloat with iTunes, which again, it, it, it's one of the negatives I had about dealing with a lot of iOS devices just because it's so cumbersome and such a pain regarding iOS. Again, iOS six, lots of good enhancements. Of course, now Apple has their own maps and they added a lot of cool stuff, including like the key card app, which I kind of liked, but, but I use that already on my Android device. I think like I said, we, we've kind of maxed out the capabilities of all the existing cell phone hardware at this point. 
Now, before all anybody out there takes me to task, oh, well, you know, there's tons of shit being worked on. I'm just talking about innovations that were originally groundbreaking that are now just the norm. Think about it. Every phone now has some sort of GPS, whether it's powered by Android or powered by iOS. Five or six years ago, if you wanted GPS on your phone, you either had to deal with some really garbage-looking GPS or you had to buy a, a standalone unit. That's completely changed. Cameras in phones at this point, in some cases, have replaced point-and-shoots, which we all know is, is kind of the direction where things have been going. So things have improved, but I'm just talking about stuff that wowed you. You know, telling me that I can hear AM and FM on my iPod, I really don't give a shit about. But everything else is just pretty much paint by numbers. Cameras, GPS, HDR, um, high definition video, all of that stuff is pretty much standard at this point. Nothing out there is blowing my mind. And you want to know what's crazy? The company that actually blew my mind last week and dropped the ball, and I was talking about this with Slick, was Nokia. Nokia unveiled some beautiful phones, beautiful. And they were showing off their pure view camera, which they were showcasing the photos and the low-light capabilities. And as it turns out, the photos and even the demo reel for that camera were doctored and were altered. They weren't even legit taking with the de- taken with the device. So... You know, I was I was kind of I was not heartbroken, but I was bummed only because Nokia is a company that's been around for so many years. I remember some of my earlier phones were Nokia's Nokia and Motorola got all my money when I was growing up in the 90s, whether it was the uh, the, the, the Motorola StarTac or the um, the blue messenger pager looking thing. I fucked around with that. Nokia also. I had a couple of different candy bar phones that they had that you could switch the faces, all that stuff. Nokia and Motorola all day, and it, and it bums me out to see these companies nowhere near the prominence that they were. Now, of course, you know, Samsung has stepped its game up, and they got Samsung has really nice devices. I mean, Slick has the Galaxy S3, which he, he loves immensely, and I know countless people that are satisfied. I'm not sure if Slick is going to give us an impression for or even a review for the S3, but I think... You know, he should. Um, Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But honestly, I don't like Samsung because I owned the first Galaxy and I owned the second one for a while. And I was just between waiting for the for the updates and all this shit. I just I just couldn't deal with it. And then a couple of things happened with Samsung where they updated certain um, firmware updates that just fucked up everything I had. And um Needless to say, I had a big falling out with Samsung. I currently have a an HTC Amaze, and I really like it. 8 megapixel camera, uh, HD video, etc., etc., etc. It's white, you know, for those of us that complain about white phones or black phones, it's white. And honestly, I don't miss the iPhone. I do have to say, though, that I'm bummed that T-Mobile just gets no love whatsoever, which leads me to something I wanted to share with you guys. Obviously this brand new iPhone is going to be using a nano SIM. And um, for those of us that are on T-Mobile that we're looking forward to it, clearly we are not going to be able to use it, but all hope is not lost. Nano SIMs actually will be in stores in mid October. So if you get yourself an unlocked iPhone five, you'll be able to use it on T-Mobile 
with the nano sims in October. Now, the thing is, before anybody says, oh, you know, the iPhone only uses 3G, blah, blah, blah. The fact is that the iPhone, um, T-Mobile is refarming their network. So you'll be able to use iPhones on the T-Mobile network in certain areas where the refarming has already takes pl- taken place and you can use the the HS uh, standard, which, you know, the, the quote-unquote 4G standard that T-Mobile has, you'll be able to use that. But we may not get that nationwide until probably the, la- the latter part of 2013. But if you are interested in bagging an unlocked iPhone 5, for use on T-Mobile or even abroad, it's going to run you, get this, $649 for 16 gigs, $749 for 32 gigs, and $849 for a 64 gig iPhone 5. It's insane. It really is. But before anybody starts you know, going crazy about the prices, do know that if you wanted to get an international Galaxy S3 unlocked, it, it, it runs you almost 700 bucks at this point. Um, well, some sites are, are, are probably a lot higher. I mean, Slick says that there's some that were 1200. It's insane out there. It's insane. So that's the price we pay for tech. Like I said, I like seeing Apple put out new devices, not because I'm an Apple fanboy or I was, but because Apple forces people to, to, to switch their game up, give us new hardware, give us new technology. And it kind of keeps people sharp, which is good. Now, I do got to acknowledge something Ravage mentioned in in the chat, and that's the fact that HTC makes beautiful phones and their batteries suck. Yes, sir. I agree 110% about that statement. With my HTC Amaze, the battery would be gone by... If I charged the phone and I left my house with it at 10 in the morning with 100% power, by 6 o'clock it, it might have maybe 15% left. I actually had to go and buy a higher capacity battery, which you can bag on Amazon for 12 bucks or so, which obviously now gives me a day and a half of full battery life. But HTC does have that stigma, unfortunately. Anyway, I figured I'd share my thoughts with you guys about the iPhone 5 and some of Apple's products. But let's get into some MMA because we have lots to discuss. Wanted to start things off by reminding you guys that My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by MMA Warehouse. Make sure to get your favorite MMA gear, including licensed fighter apparel, uh, rash guards, kick pads, the works, at MMAWarehouse.com. Do want to start things off by reminding those of you that are fans of The Ultimate Fighter that it will be returning tomorrow on FX. The Ultimate Fighter, um, I believe it's UK or England versus Australia. I haven't really been keeping up with the news for it because the Ultimate Fighter I, has been rather lackluster the last couple of seasons. But I'm going to check it out. You know, the Australian guys, they're always they're fucking crazy. So I know they're going to come in there ready to fight. And you'll be able to catch that on FX. And of course, I'll be sharing my thoughts about this season with all the new episodes of MTR going forward. Now, we got some fight news. A lot of stuff has been going on. We got the injury bug running wild. We got a lot of great fights being put together. First off, uh, Chris Weidman 
who everybody was expecting to get a shot at Anderson Silva, will be meeting Tim Bocek instead at UFC 155. That's going to be happening December 29th. Of course, the main event for that is going to be Junior Dos Santos versus Cain Velasquez. Now, obviously, Chris Weidman, a lot of people really think that you know he should have gotten his shot at this point. I think him giving him a fight against Tim Bocek, who's, who's, a, who's a solid fighter, is going to make it very interesting if he gets past him. Will he get a shot at Anderson Silva at this point? Who knows? I mean, there's not much else you can do. I mean, Michael Bisping kind of feels that he should be next in line. Maybe Weidman and Bisping, winner getting the title shot. Who knows at this point? But Weidman definitely is a guy that I'd like to see get an opportunity, uh, not only because he's a local guy from here, from New York, of course, but because... He, he's he's had some really great performances, and it's just a different face in the main event. He may get slaughtered by Anderson Silva. He may not, but at least it's somebody different. Now, this is it's not often we get a what-the-fuck MMA story, but this is one of those instances. For those of you that don't know, Henzo Gracie from the legendary Gracie family has a dojo, a couple of dojos here in New York. And he's a cool dude. He does a lot of stuff with, um, you know, a lot of local guys. Hammer Fisting had him on a couple of weeks back. East Coast MMA, they actually have a store near Henzo Gracie's Brooklyn School. Anyway, Henzo Gracie's a cool dude. And something really crazy happened. Uh, He was out a couple of nights ago. I'd want to say uh, earlier this week, maybe last week. Anyway, so... He was walking through the streets of New York. It was kind of late. And he actually live tweeted an attempted mugging attempt. Uh, that, that sounded terrible. He live tweeted an attempted mugging. Excuse me. That sounded better. Anyway, he was walking through neighborhood. He was being followed by two guys who thought he was drunk. Um, his first tweet was as follows. 22nd and 10th Avenue. Right now, two guys are following me. Can't help but have a big smile on my face. I'm talking about a happy smile. Next tweet after that. Waiting for them. Are they really thinking I'm drunk? They have to be kidding. He then goes on to tweet. I just stopped to take a pic. They pretend that they're looking at the window. Can't lie. My blood runs in a different speed. Man, I miss Brazil. Next up is next tweet. One of the men asked me for a cigarette. At which point I said I didn't smoke. The man got agitated, allegedly, grabbed Henzo Gracie's arm, trying to reach for his front pocket. Henzo Gracie sent out a tweet. I hit him with a left hook and a straight right hand, which is what he was telling the guys on MMA Junkie Radio. He said that the guy fell. He grabbed the second guy. Uh, He went to grab the second guy who took off running. Now, the crazy thing about this is that some people are thinking that it was a staged event. Other people are thinking that um, based on what he described as the guy asking him for a cigarette and allegedly um, the guy, the guys weren't trying to rob him. Who knows? But if you're walking the streets late at night and somebody asks you for a cigarette and they reach for you, you got to defend yourself. Was it a wise idea to live tweet and beat this guy's ass? And so allegedly he chased the other guy down and kind of beat that guy up. And he actually put pictures up of the, of the other, of one of the guys that he beat up for trying to rob him. It's crazy. I live in New York. Muggings are muggings are a thing that happen in New York City, especially if you're in areas that obviously are frequented 
by muggers. If you're running through a, a dark area near Central Park or you're in Brooklyn or you're in the hood, you know what's coming. But in Henzo Gracie's case, who knows why he was out? I'm not going to chastise the guy. I just think it's the craziest thing ever that a guy live tweets an attempted mugging. I've never heard of that, ever. I know social media is big, but that's a little fucking nuts. Props to Henzo Gracie, at least for defending himself and not getting hurt in the process. What happens from there? Who knows? But obviously there were lots of jokes about Henzo Gracie being Spider-Man, all kinds of shit. But again, props for him handling his business and not getting hurt in the process. In some other fight news, Hector Lombard versus Husamal Parharis will be your main event for UFC on it on FX6. Uh, that's also going to include the finals from the Ultimate Fighter Australia versus UK, and basically, it's going to be taking place in Australia on Saturday morning, and then it's going to air live in North America on Friday night on FX with the prelims on, on Facebook and on Fuel TV. Now, obviously, fight week is coming up. Dana White usually goes out there. Shed some shed some light on some of the stuff that all of us are talking about. He was recently on Inside MMA, and they were asking about about the possibility of Anderson Silva versus GSP. He said that that fight is actually becoming more and more likely. So we may actually get to see that super fight. I'm pumped for it. I think Anderson Silva though may take it to GSP at this point. Um, again, little risky right now, but I'd still like to see it. Now, of course, we got to get into the meat and potatoes, the injury bug. Rampage Jackson was supposed to fight at UFC 153, which happens October 13th. He is injured. Also, Vladimir Matyshenko got a torn Achilles tendon. He's injured. Also, get this. Jose Aldo was supposed to do the fight with Frankie Edgar. He recently suffered a motorcycle. He was involved in a motorcycle accident. Seems that he suffered a foot injury in the process. Now he is out. So shit is just completely fucked up. Needless to say, now the UFC 152 card looks as, well, it's as follows. John Jones will defend his belt against Vitor Belfort, who replaces Lyoto Machida. Machida, of course, who replaces Dan Henderson. Joseph Benavidez will be taking on Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson in the inaugural flyweight title fight. Michael Bisping will be taking on Brian Stan. Matt Hamill will now be meeting Roger Hollett, who was his original opponent who got injured, was replaced by Vladimir Matyshenko. Matyshenko is injured. Now Hamill versus Hollett is going to go down. Charles Oliveira is taking on, on Cub Swanson. Vinny Magalhaes will be making his return to the UFC against Igor Prokryats. Evan Dunham is on that card, Marcus Brimage, uh, Seth Bozinski is also on that card, as is Charlie Brenneman, who will be taking on Kyle Noak. Now, the funny thing is that with the injuries to Jose Aldo, um, the DUI for Christian Moorcraft, I believe another MMA fighter got in a motorcycle accident recently, there's been a strong debate about the UFC imposing regulations regarding hazardous activities. Bjorn Rebney actually spoke about this, and it was mentioned on MMA Junkie saying that he he thinks that, um, you know, we really should exercise some sort of regulations for these guys to get involved in some of these hazardous activities. And right now, the, 
a lot of people are split on it. Some people are like, hey, you can't tell these guys what they can and can't do to have fun. But you also have to take into consideration that these guys are getting paid a ton of money to fight. And an entire card is put in flux because of some some reckless behavior. Not to say that he was riding the bike recklessly or whatever. But it's just the fact that you got so many of these great athletes that they go out there and they get into these accidents and they have these mishaps. And they just they injure themselves. They hurt um, their own profits. They hurt the business. And on that on that note, I do have to say that I kind of agree. I mean, let's look back on a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, uh, quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was in a motorcycle accident. He was completely fucked up. He made a comeback, and you know whatever it was cool. But again, it kind of put the spotlight on those types of on those types of hazardous behaviors that lead to crazy injuries. I mean, Frank Mir is a guy who was a tremendous uh, UFC prospect at one point, uh, got into a motorcycle accident, took years to recover fully, come back to the old Frank Mir, so to speak, before before anybody even started looking at him as as a return-to-form athlete. I mean, it's crazy. You can You can look at it so many different ways, but honestly, if you're... If a company invests money in you for for profit, whatever that may be, you have to work your hardest to ensure that you stay healthy. I mean, training injuries happen, mishaps happen, but if you go out there attempting fate, it's a little it's a little risky. I mean, you can get just as easily struck by lightning or hit by a car crossing the street, but when it's shit like motorcycles or crate or crazy shit like that, it's it's risky. It really is. I know some people are going to disagree. But as always, you know, you're welcome to call in and share your thoughts on the matter. In some other Bellator news, Cole Conrad, who was the heavyweight champion for Bellator, has retired, which is crazy. He was undefeated. He actually retired from the sport to go into his family's agriculture business. And now, of course, it opens up the heavyweight tournament with the winner possibly being crowned the champion. But it's crazy to see such a promising talent like Cole Conrad just just walk away. But some of these guys, they go out there and they fight for as long as they can. They make their money and they have other careers. They have other obligations and they step away. I liked watching Cole fight. He was he was a solid heavyweight guy. He had a 9-0 record when he retired. Uh, seven of those wins were in Bellator. So, again, it's just unfortunate to see him go that route. It's pretty crazy. But I will say this, this opens up a new heavyweight face that can go out there and do some damage and put the organization on the map, especially going into Spike TV. Last bit of MMA news to wrap things up, UFC 153, of course, the main event was jeopardized due to the Jose Aldo situation as well as Rampage, but check this out, Anderson Silva stepping up, he's going to face Stefan Bonner for the main event at UFC 153, and that fight will be contested at 205 pounds. Also, Antonio Nogueira will be making his return to take on Dave Herman as well. So UFC 153 gets two solid fights out of the deal. Definitely looking forward to seeing the American Psycho take on Anderson Silva. Obviously, a lot of people are expecting Bonner to get mauled in this fight, but you never know anything can happen in MMA. Props to Anderson Silva for stepping up, and of course for Bonner for doing the right thing as well. All right, guys, we are 
moving pretty fast and furious. So let's get right into the wrestling segment for this week. All right. Well, obviously, before getting into Raw, which is going to be a segment in itself, I did want to talk about TNA's No Surrender pay-per-view. Once again, something is really in the water down there in Florida because TNA is stepping their game up. The impact has been improving. Their pay-per-views have been improving. They've gotten rid of uh, some of the shitty stories that are out there. Um, You know, the Claire Lynch story, etc., etc. And they're really stepping their game up. The chat is telling me that the audio sounds laggy. I have no idea why. Everything here seems to be running on all cylinders, guys. I recommend that, if anything, maybe refresh. See if that works. Let me know just in case. But everything on my end sounds clear, so it might just be Blog Talk Radio going through one of their periodic fucking shit fits. I hope that's not the case. If it is, obviously we will make sure to remedy that once the show is over. Otherwise, I recommend you guys refresh. Anyway, as I was saying, the TNA No Surrender pay-per-view was actually very, very good. We had some really good matches. Of course, the Bound for Glory series had their semifinal matches with uh, Jeff Hardy taking on Samoa Joe in a very good match. I was concerned because it's a di- it's a huge difference in styles. Obviously, Samoa Joe, more the brawling submission. Jeff Hardy, definitely more reckless. I was surprised that they gave the victory to Jeff Hardy only because you kind of want to you wanna invest more energy into Samoa Joe because he's one of those guys, he's an original, uh, a face of the company that you could build around. It almost kind of leaves a sour taste in the mouth of a, of a lot of TNA fans because it's, again, the continued push of quote-unquote WWE cast-offs. Make of that what you will. Nonetheless, I really enjoyed the match. I felt that they worked out well together i was surprised that you know jeff hardy had went for a couple of submissions and stuff definitely nice to see that uh that little bit of change in his offense the second semifinal match had bully ray and james storm which as you would expect was not a four-star technical wrestling clinic but the fact was that these guys they went out there they worked really well with their respective styles um obviously we all know that it was coming to um james storm but they did swerve us by having bobby Roode interfere and bully ray gets the victory very very shocked that they went in that direction i mean i'm sure that this is a reward for bully ray re-signing with tna which is cool i think um after losing all the weight stepping up his heel game he's definitely a solid guy that you can have in the upper mid card um main event status questionable but he's improved enough that even if you gave him a short run with the belt and and maybe had him resume his feud with Austin Aries, it would it would make for great television, I will tell you that. We had a TNA Knockouts title match. Miss Tessmacher took on Tara, of course, a little teacher versus student action. Um, I will say that Miss Tessmacher looked slightly improved in this match. I think part of that definitely has to do with Tara. But again, the match was... Better than I would have expected. I understand they're trying to push Miss Tessmacher. Uh, she's a she's a cool she's a cool chick. I just don't think that building a division with her at this point is the right move. 
I understand you want to get a new face out there, but kind of, I would have liked for, for Tara to have the belt at this point. It always feels like every time she gets there, she's always the bridesmaid, but never the bride kind of thing. She, she's always in contention. She's always up there, but they never put the belt on her. You know, you have the belt on Mickey James like 14,000 times. Gail Kim, you put the belt on. But you don't see Tara get the belt, which is unfortunate because I think she's probably one of the most technically sound wrestlers that they have in the knockouts division currently. Obviously, you can make of that what you will, but, you know, it's um, it's my opinion. <laughs> Simple as that. The TNAX division title, Zima Ion defended it against Sanjay Dutt. Where the fuck they pulled this match out? out of i don't know there was no build-up for it but i will tell you sanjay dutt went in there and did his thing um zima ion looked really good in this match especially considering how reckless he has been i actually really enjoyed it i thought the match was was very solid and sanjay dutt they definitely need to do more with him i mean the guy had a good career in ring of honor his first run in tna was solid i'm surprised that the wwe didn't try to pick him up but knowing them, if they did, they'd make him like a lackey for Jinder Mahal or a fucking a translator for the Great Kali. So maybe not. But Sanjay Dutt, tremendous athlete, and he he showed his skills against Zima Ion. Rob Van Dam and Magnus, a pretty paint by numbers match. Again, I was shocked that they gave the win to Van Dam because you really should be trying to build Magnus. He is more of a He's a younger guy, he's not as established, and every little win helps for him. Really does. But, unfortunately, you know, Rob Van Dam got the win, which... I don't I don't say it hurts Magnus, but it definitely slows down his momentum, in my opinion. TNA tag title match, fucking amazing. Christopher Daniels, Kazarian, AJ Styles, anytime those guys are in a match together, you can expect fireworks... If you throw a half-crippled Kurt Angle in there, I was surprised that it went as good as it did. Kurt Angle, of course, dealing with nagging injuries. But man, suplexes all over the place, crazy, insane bumps, um, uh, unique moves from these guys. We got to see a uh, springboard 450 splash from AJ, which was insane. Of course, Kurt Angle dropping dudes on his head like it was nobody's business. It was an awesome match from start to finish. I was, I was very impressed. Of course, we had our finals for the Bound for Glories match with Bully Ray and Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy gets the nod, and um, again, very surprised that they're going with the whole redemption Jeff Hardy thing coming full circle, because I really expected either James Storm to get it, or maybe they were going to actually pull the, the trigger on Bully Ray. Nonetheless, Jeff Hardy goes into the comes out of the Bound for Glory series, the winner, goes on to face Austin Aries, at the Bound for Glory pay-per-view, which, whatever, it is what it is. Now, if you may have noticed, you probably are asking yourself, why didn't he talk about Austin Aries and Aces and Eights? I really wanted to dedicate a few minutes to that separate from just discussing the pay-per-view because that segment, I expected it to be complete horseshit. But the funny thing is that you have... Austin Aries go out there, call out this member of Aces and Eights, who is act- who, if I'm correct, is Festus, who used to be in the WWE. I know he was recently signed by TNA, and it kind of looks like him. I know he has that really huge, gruesome face tattoo, which probably got hidden by the shirt that he was wearing, but I- I'm thinking that it was Festus for this match. I really thought that the call-out and the way it was going to go was going to go really awkward. Yeah, Luke Gallows. Thank you, Kips. A.K.A. Festus, yes, same guy. Anyway, 
as I was saying, I really expected this this whole call out aces and eights scenario to go into the complete shitter, but it didn't. It was a Austin Aries delivered a huge brain buster on this dude, which was insane in itself. Austin Aries isn't exactly the biggest dude. Um, he is. He's average height, but that brain buster was bananas. Not only that, but I kind of like what they're doing with aces and eights. It's not so NWO-like like it was initially, and the number of members increases at random, and they just have extras and camera guys joining. The only thing I don't like, it's way too much like Sons of Anarchy. I can understand that that there's definite influence in there. The only thing I do have to say that would ruin this storyline is that the guys behind Aces and Eights aren't badass dudes. Like, if it turns out that it's Hogan behind Aces and Eights, or Jeff Jarrett or some shit, I'm just, I'm, I'm just gonna be disgusted with the promotion, all this great work that they've done, and have it, have it revert to Jeff Jarrett, which was a rumor at one point. Um, Hogan, I mean, he's playing like the crazy badass Hogan, so you never know, they could do a complete 180 with that, and make it be him. James Storm, eh, I don't really see James Storm as the leader of a faction unless you want to kind of make him a monster heel. If you wanted to go crazy and kind of go with the biker thug gimmick, you you could completely blindside everybody and say that Aces and Eights is being led by Bully Ray. That would be kind of cool. A little bit of that New York, uh, Hells Angel type vibe. Bully Ray would be an awesome awesome gatekeeper for that just turn around and be like yeah bully Ray's the leader and he swerved everybody people would go crazy because it was so unexpected so random but the rumors of like jared or a hogan heel turn it's it's just gonna take the wind out of the sail out of the sails of a solid storyline simple as that i I gotta acknowledge uh mudkips in the chat who was joining us he uh he said that he liked the um the straight edge society's version of luke gallows and I have to I have to agree that probably was his best run. He had really great work with CM Punk. His wrestling was solid, and not for nothing, that gimmick was a thousand times better than the Festus gimmick any day of the week. Any day. And um Kips actually said that he'd like to see Punk, Gallows, and Cole Cabana in a stable. I, I do gotta say this. Speaking of stables with CM Punk, if you want to do something with CM Punk, a stable with maybe him, Tyler Black, and yeah, him and Tyler Black would be good. Simple as that. I think that putting him, Tyler Black together, kind of Paul Heyman guys, maybe throw Daniel Bryan in there, just all Ring of Honor guys managed by Paul Heyman would make for very, very interesting television. I see that Kips is breaking my balls because he hasn't watched TNA in two years. Well, I'm fucking sorry. Shit's actually improved. Start DVRing that shit and don't be a bitch. All right. With that out of the way, let's get into Raw for this week. All right, let's let's get into Raw, which of course opened up with um, a very homeless-looking Bret the Hitman Hart in Montreal, Canada. 
One thing I do got to say first off is that once you go to Canada, once you cross that border, you do trek into quote-unquote bizarro world. A lot of crazy shit happens there. And um, Bret Hart being out there cutting a, a, a very solid promo, of course, led to the interruption by CM Punk. Now, you're probably saying, oh, why are you saying that Bret Hart looks homeless? Bret Hart, I don't mind that he's used on TV, but Bret Hart suffered a stroke. A, uh, I'd say two years back, maybe three. And, and he had a huge stroke. He, he was paralyzed for a while. He couldn't move. So I can understand some of his mannerisms and the things that he does are a little a little unnatural. And um, obviously that, that definitely adds to the, the way the promo came off. But the fact is that it just felt very long-winded and... Um, not for nothing, it was, I don't know, it just didn't feel natural, it, it felt very weird, and then CM Punk comes out, obviously paying homage to Bret Hart in the pink and black ring gear, cuts an awesome promo, which we all knew he would, but um, the the crazy thing, of course, uh, nice little nice little way to close out the promo, CM Punk dropping a pipe bomb, uh, Bret Hart saying that CM Punk is putting the crowd to sleep, it just felt very, very awkward. And when you're in there with a guy like CM Punk and you're and you're using Bret Hart as your as your as your foil, it just doesn't work. I will say this though, and and this is this is something that was completely insane. Him attacking Bret Hart, CM Punk succeeded in actually getting an entire arena to boo him practically. A lot of the things that people were talking about is that they've aligned CM Punk with Paul Heyman because CM Punk was still getting cheered, which obviously given Paul Heyman's involvement, it's easier for him to be booed. The, the, the thing that gets me is that, again, the use of Bret Hart in Canada, I understand it's symbolic and you kind of want to um, give him a reward for the Montreal screw job, But again, the promo super contrived. Now, I got to take a moment and acknowledge some of the stuff in the chat. Uh, Kips was saying that Bret Hart looked fucking horrible. I expected him to die. Instead, it was Lawler. <laughs> I had to stop to share that with you guys, not because it's, it's fucked up, but because Bret Hart suffered a massive stroke, which, prop, which could have killed him. Jerry Lawler, you look at him. I got to meet Jerry Lawler at Comic-Con. He's, he's in pretty solid shape. I'm not saying he's in the best shape, He's in the best shape that a 62-year-old man could be in. Simple as that. He's in, he's in solid shape. It's not, you know, Jack LaLanne, but, but he's, in, he's in awesome shape. And, um, you know, he put out a tout this week, Jerry. He put out a tout, I believe, earlier this evening. Guy looks like a million bucks, ready to rock and roll. Like, like nothing. Meanwhile, Bret Hart, you know, he comes out. His hair's all, all scraggly and raggedy looking. At least tie your hair back, dude. Seriously, don't, don't look like a hobo. Tie your hair back. Nobody's telling you to dye it because we all know you're old and it'll just look weird like Kevin Nash. Tie your hair back. Don't look so fucking scraggly. Clean that shit up. It's insane. Anyway, we got a uh, all-champions tag team match with Antonio Cesaro, The Miz, R-Truth, and Kofi Kingston. And very paint-by-numbers. Obviously, we knew that Truth and Kingston were going to get the win. Uh, Cesaro and The Miz, again, this was just something where they were using it to promote the Night of Champions pre-show, where they're going to have a battle royal to determine a number one contender for Cesaro's U.S. title. 
seriously, you're gonna you're gonna determine a number one contender on, on an on, on a fucking pre-show. I don't understand what the deal is with the with the second tier belts, the IC and the US title. They're just relegated to to the to the curtain jerk, which is what the YouTube thing is. I understand that you want to bring up those YouTube numbers and give people good matches, but these are fucking belts, guys. Seriously. Relegating these belts to, to the to the YouTube curtain jerk is just it just doesn't work in my opinion. But you know what? There was a low point shortly after this whole tag team segment and the whole Sheamus fucking deposition segment, which was bullshit. This six divas tag match, Layla, Eve, and Caitlin took on Alicia Fox, Natalia, and the returning Beth Phoenix. What a clusterfuck that entire match was. Entire, entire clusterfuck. Now, let's take into consideration, Beth Phoenix can wrestle. Natalia can wrestle. Eve Torres can kind of wrestle. Layla's a passable wrestler. Alicia Fox hit or miss, and Caitlyn hit or miss. How the fuck can that match be complete shit? But it really was. It, it really was a bathroom break match. 100%. Bathroom break. Now, CM Punk faced Randy Orton, which of course broke down with uh, Dolph Ziggler getting involved, and this led to a tag team match with Orton and, of course, Jerry the King Lawler taking on CM Punk and Dolph Ziggler. Of course, the, the beauty of this match was the involvement of Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman walks down to ringside, pulls CM Punk to the side, has a complete conversation with him, which if you have a good home theater, you can actually hear them talking about places to eat in Montreal and CM Punk. Like, there's nothing good to eat here. And just them shitting on the city. The beauty of that was the fact that they were clowning the city and having a conversation which almost was practically off camera but still worked. Still worked. It was just an amazing thing to see. Of of course, he walked out. Dolph Ziggler ate the pin with Jerry Lawler, which leads us to something that happens later on. And um, the the high point after this match was Punk and Heyman leaving, Matt Stryker coming up, asking about the nature of their relationship, CM Punk staring at Matt Stryker and just saying, I'm a Paul Heyman guy. It was... It was the simplest and easiest thing that they did that spoke volumes of where this storyline is going. The the fact that you're saying the guy just says, I'm a Paul Heyman guy, opens up a Pandora's box of possibilities. Because you can have other guys that were aligned with Paul Heyman, and you can have Paul Heyman looking out for the talents that the WWE kind of skipped over. And just create a, a really awesome stable going back to what Kips has said in the chat. You know, a guy like Colt Cabana, who who is a friend of CM Punk's, he's a, he's a good wrestler, uh, great mic skills. He'd be a great guy to build in. Um, you know, definitely not a Scotty Goldman. Definitely, let's forget that shit. But let's bring him back, put him with Punk, it would be good. Add Heyman in there. Maybe throw that cloud of, of Brock Lesnar in the background. Maybe bring in Brian or call up Tyler Black, um, who is now... What the fuck is his name now? Uh, what the hell is Tyler Black's name now in the WWE? Fuck. I gotta look it up. Anyway, that's the kind of stable we're going for. 
Um, but again, that simple, simple phrase, I'm a Paul Heyman guy, sold. You could, you could put that on a shirt and it'll sell. Hell, I'd buy a shirt that said I'm a Paul Heyman guy and then put hashtag on the back like um, at Heyman Hustle, like something like that. I'd buy that immediately. Next, we uh, we get the continuous feud between Heath Slater and Zack Ryder, which breaks down to Heath Slater having to face Ryback. Obviously, the ass-whooping was academic at this point, and we kind of know who the winner was, so it's self-explanatory. We had a number one contenders match between Kane and Daniel Bryan against the primetime players. Uh, nice dysfunctional tag team storyline at work there, with Kane and Daniel Bryan getting the victory. Obviously, they get the tag team title shot at Night of Champions. And the beauty of it all, and I got to definitely give props again to Kips, who's on fire. Kane and Daniel Bryan winning the tag team titles is a no-brainer at this point, especially with the great chemistry those two fucking guys have. It's, it's got to happen. Uh, also, thanks to him and Slick for letting me know, Tyler Black is Seth Rollins in NXT. I always forget. I just call these guys by the names that I know them as. Force of Habit, Tyler Black being one of them. Uh, Daniel Bryan, it took me a while to stop calling him Bryan Danielson or American Dragon. Um, So, yeah, Seth Rollins, NXT champion. Alberto Del Rio took on Tyson Kidd. Of course, in Canada, you got to give Bret Hart a little love with Tyson Kidd in there. I'm really surprised they're not pushing Kidd more. he's 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 a great talent, super athletic. He, he does a, a pretty solid sharpshooter, definitely a thousand times better than The Rock. Um, but, again, young talents just being squandered. You have three hours of television. Three. How many times are you going to recap segments from earlier in the evening? How many times are you going to do shitty deposition statements with Sheamus, which was complete abomination of a segment? Guys like Tyson Kidd need the airtime. These are the guys that need to become household names because they are going to be the future of your fucking company. Sheamus took on David Otunga, and I'm not even... Really? Do you? Does anyone honestly think David Otunga had a shot in that match? Let's not kid ourselves. Cody Rhodes and Rey Mysterio. I like the end of this match because The Miz got involved to attack Rey Mysterio and actually ate a crossroads from Cody Rhodes, which obviously opens up the possibility of a Cody Rhodes and Miz feud, which I wouldn't mind, and then allows Rey Mysterio to probably focus his energies on the Tag team that they're trying to build with him and Sin Cara. I, I could definitely dig that. And I agree once again with Kips. Kips was saying that Tyson Kidd, Justin Gabriel definitely should be pushed. I agree 150% with that statement. That's for damn sure. Now, right after um, the Cody Rhodes segment, of course, Michael Cole came and he actually gave started giving updates on Jerry Lawler, which, again, Jerry Lawler actually passed out right around the Daniel Bryan and Kane match. If you have Raw DVR that night, you can kind of hear things start to break down and things go silent. A lot of people said Jerry Lawler turned blue at that point, and they took him backstage, and of course, you guys know the rest, which I'll discuss in further detail later on in the segment. Now, what I did want to discuss, though, that people kind of were saying was that, oh, WWE should have ended Raw right after that happened instead of, you know... Continuing with no, <clears throat> continuing with no commentary, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Look, WWE and countless organizations are all about the show going on. It allows people to focus on 
being entertained. Should you have ended it early? Maybe. But would it have made a difference? Jerry Lawler got isolated to the back. He was treated. And to end it abruptly and make it worse, you know, it it would have just seemed awkward. And I sincerely doubt Jerry Lawler would have himself would have probably been like, why did you guys end the show? Seriously, I mean, you had great medical staff there. You had great EMTs. You got it taken care of. Michael Cole, definitely a trooper for handling it the way he did. You can tell he was he was very emotional, um, very emotional, very, very broken up. Uh, obviously, Jerry Lawler being his colleague, and, and I respect the way he conducted himself, and especially the guys that were wrestling as well. But I do have to say that there was something there was something special about watching wrestling with no commentary. And I told a couple of people this. Um, actually, I told uh, Billy Nichols from Structure Gaming, who messaged me on Facebook at the time. And I said that watching the matches with no commentary kind of felt like when you're watching it live. A lot of people know that, you know, you go to live wrestling events, there's no commentary. The wrestlers are telling the stories. And, and I kind of appreciated that. Not to say that it's something that I can get used to, but watching the guys just go out there and do their craft without any side talk or or promoting tout or whatever was trending on Twitter at the time, just wrestling. Wrestling was front and center. And personally, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed seeing just the wrestlers tell their stories, and I had no issue with it whatsoever. Again... A lot of people shit on Michael Cole. I shit on him all the time as a hack for, for a lot of other reasons, but he, he handled it well. I mean, this is a guy that was a, he was a war correspondent, and he, he had tremendous, tremendous courage under pressure there. He did his thing, and um, like anything else, a lot of people felt that breaking character kind of made Cole more human. But the fact is that your colleague, your friend is having a heart attack. There's no way you're going to be able to maintain that scripted demeanor that Vince McMahon yells in your ear all the time. It just can't happen. Uh, again, I applaud, I applaud them for their professionalism. Um, Michael Cole and, and all the wrestlers involved. And, of course, the ENT staff that kept uh, Jerry Lawler from dying. Simple as that. Now, to close things out, of course, we had a nice main event promo with uh, John Cena and CM Punk. Uh, Bret Hart was involved, and I have to admit, John Cena definitely stepped up his promo game, super, super aggressive, he actually cut part of the promo in French, which was amusing, Um, of course, CM Punk was on fire as well, the only thing that kind of took away from it was that you can just see Bret Hart standing there awkwardly, Um, you you can see Bret Hart standing there awkwardly, kind of waiting to involve himself. And of course, I said to myself, they're probably going to fuck Bret Hart over and have CM Punk whoop his ass in Montreal because this is what happens with these guys. You know, JR gets embarrassed whenever they're in Oklahoma, etc., etc., etc. But they ended up having Bret Hart get the last laugh. He socks CM Punk. Of course, you know, huge buildup. John Cena looks strong going into the pay-per-view. Of course, it's going to be in Boston, going into enemy territory for, for CM Punk. I really would like to see Punk retain and move on to hold the belt till the Rumble and face the Rock. Um, the fact still remains that I'd rather see Punk and Rock than Rock and Cena too. Seriously, I really don't want to see that shit. Ser- I, I don't. I don't. 
punk and rock has tremendous electricity behind it. Especially when you, when you factor in Paul Heyman, all you got to do is have Paul Heyman call the rock a sellout. It's all it's going to take. And the crowd is going to boo CM Punk instantly. And, and you know, the rock is going to come out and have his catchphrases. And, and the beauty of it all is that CM Punk is going to be like, here you go with the recycled shit from the 90s. I think that just that alone, like the rock is going to be like, finally, and CM Punk's going to be like, all right, finally, we've had enough. Finally, shut your face. I think that that would make for better television. Think about it. The rock comes out. He's getting ready to get his little still on his, his stick on and CM Punk comes out and, and just obliterates him on the mic. I honestly would like to see that just calling him Dwayne the entire time, all, all snide and shit. It would just be it would just be better. It would just be better television. Simple as that. Last but not least, of course, we had Impact, which I was gonna get into, and obviously it too much shit went on. Needless to say, if you DVR'd it, you're gonna see some good stuff. Uh Zima Ion, Sanjay Dutt got a rematch. Kaz and AJ Styles was not as good as I expected. Daniels uh took on Chavo Guerrero, that was pretty good. And uh, the Bound for Glory title shot was on the line. Jeff Hardy, Bully Ray for the rematch. Uh, Jeff Hardy got the victory again. It it was a pretty decent post-pay-per-view paint-by-numbers TNA impact. Now, let me get into the rest of the wrestling news for this week. Obviously, like I said, Bully Ray signed a new deal with TNA. Um, I believe that he's signed on for two years or so. Not 100% sure yet, but... He's going to stay, and Devon left. So Devon, they're saying he's going to be working as an agent with the WWE. Not sure if if that's going to be the case, but both of those guys, uh, Bully Ray and Devon, will still have their Team 3D Wrestling Academy in Florida, so that's still going to happen. Now, as always, every couple of weeks when we do a live show, I always got to cite some crazy shit that WWE.com posts. They posted their Top 15 World heavyweight champions in honor of the belt's 10th anniversary now as always these lists are questionable and and i'll and i'll tell you why in a moment top 15 wwe world heavyweight champions number 15 get this was goldberg 14 was daniel bryan 13 was randy orton 12 was kane 11 was cm punk 10 was chris jericho 9 was john cena 8 was Mark Henry, 7 was Rey Mysterio, 6 was Sheamus, Booker T was 5, which I'll get into why I think that's bullshit, The Undertaker was 4, Edge was 3, Batista was 2, and of course, Triple H was number 1. Now, if anybody brought something to that title, it was Goldberg. Also, Booker T, this was during that King Booker run? Come on, man. They're only looking back at 10 years, and the and like Kip said in the chat, the big gold belt has been around for years, but they're only looking back at 10, at 10 years of, of champions. If you're going to look at 10 years of champions, Goldberg probably would have been top five. Follow that by Booker T. Once again, Booker T, he, the, the King Booker uh, storyline with him and, and when he was champion, fantastic. You got to throw Edge in there. Edge's title reigns, yeah, he was top, He was in the top three, but I would have put him up there, Goldberg, 
definitely higher up. Booker T higher up. Um, you could kind of you can kind of put the Undertaker there. It, it it it's a little back and forth in that. But Goldberg at fifteen definitely not the move. When Goldberg was champion, everybody was watching Nitro. Everybody. When Goldberg had that belt, everybody was watching it. Rey Mysterio obviously having the belt should have been higher up, but um. Again, these WWE lists are always subjective, and, and of course it's going to ruffle a lot of feathers. Um, but make of that what you will. I'm not shocked they made Triple H number one. Look who you're talking about. In some Cameron news, of course, one of the Funkadactyls, we all know she got popped with the DUI, tried to bribe some cops, got suspended. Well, she is supposed to be actually doing an autograph signing with Brodus this weekend at... Um, well, not this weekend, actually, next weekend here in New York City at the uh, Roosevelt Field Mall, which is actually across the street from my office. Turns out that now she is not being advertised for that autograph signing, and it's only going to be Brodus and Naomi. So, it, we don't know what that means exactly. Maybe she got the boot. Her suspension was supposed to run through the 14th, but, again... Make of it what you will. Maybe maybe Alicia Fox will get promoted to honorary Funkadactyl and Cameron will get the boot. Kips makes a valid point in there, saying that Triple H was the first WWE World Heavyweight Champion. You're right, and I understand that. But I also go back to what you said before about the lineage of the belt. And they with the lineage of the belt being being taken into consideration, I would I definitely wouldn't have put Triple H at number one. Maybe top five, but not number one. That's for damn sure. Another, not, TNA's losing a lot of talent. We already know that. Devon left. Uh, Velvet Sky left. Um, Angelina Love left. Winter, they didn't renew her contract. Now there's rumors saying that Ros- Rosita, or Ro- Rosita, however you want to call it. Either way, um... She disappeared from the knockouts listing, but of course now they updated it and she's back on. But she hasn't been on TV since April, so who knows what the deal is with that. I I honestly think she was really underutilized, especially when they had her and Sarita together during the knockouts tag team title run. I think they were very great together. They work well individually and again, they would be great additions to the Knockouts roster. I don't know what what they're doing with them. I don't know what Sarita's deal is. But um, it looks like another Knockout may be biting the dust unless, you know, WWE picks her up. Now, the Jerry Lawler situation. I want to get into the Jerry Lawler situation a little bit for a couple of reasons. Obviously, everybody talking about Jerry Lawler's heart attack and what went on is all over the wrestling news this week. And everybody's talking to him. But here's something that I was saying you got to kind of think about. And that's the fact that a lot of people, once this this passes and Jerry Lawler's kind of out of any danger, a lot of people will start criticizing the WWE for letting a 62-year-old man still wrestle. Not only that, but involving him in matches where he's really taking the brunt of the offense. I mean, Jerry Lawler definitely did play the face in peril in that tag match. Uh, again, make of it what you will. Jerry Lawler's a grown man. He makes his own decisions. But the, w- the WWE is going to definitely be looked at a little differently with regards to that. 
um, you know, once again, once this shit passes, people are going to be like, you know, why do you have a 62 year old man in there? We always joke about it. And I've said it on air a dozen times that Ric Flair was going to be the guy that was going to catch a heart attack and die in the ring because Ric Flair is a fucking lunatic. But the fact still remains that these 60 year old guys, these guys that are that are veterans that are legends of this business. It's nice if you're going to have them out there, but really just having them in these matches is is really not the move. Look at look at Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper beat cancer twice. Yeah, you see him go out there and do the occasional Piper's pit, but he's not out there getting involved in matches. Jerry Lawler did, I believe, two matches in Aruba and then wrestled Monday night. 62 years old. Go out there, handle this business, but again, the the big factor, 62 years old, even Vince, Vince used to go out there and we all know he'd take chair shots. I remember he broke his tailbone in that match with Stone Cold Steve Austin, tore his quad, all kinds of shit. You don't see Vince going out there and getting involved in crazy shit. Occasionally, maybe he'll eat a finisher, but it's super safe. All I have to say is Jerry Lawler is a commentator. It's what he has been. It's what he what he will be. Don't expand it more than that. Just let him do commentary. I understand you wanted to involve him in the thing with CM Punk to get heel heat, but there's other ways to do that. You want to get heel heat? Have him beat up Rey Mysterio. Everybody loves Rey Mysterio. Just have him fucking hit Rey Mysterio with a car or, you know, leave him in the middle of Mexico during a drug war. Something, anything. It would make it would it would be easier to do that because Rey Mysterio is a wrestler. Jerry Lawler was a wrestler, now an announcer. You know? And I gotta, I gotta acknowledge what Ravage said. You don't see Booker, Booker T jumping into the ring. Yeah, he had his little feud with Cody Rhodes a year or two back, but Booker T kind of just hanging out. You don't see JBL running back into the ring. JBL said that he'd come back to do commentary. Of course, there's injuries and other factors, but in the grand scheme of things, if you're... If you have huge injuries, neck injuries, stuff like that, or if you're just a lot older, over 50, you shouldn't be in there. Hulk Hogan, I should not have to see him wrestle. Really. The guy lumbers down, he has like a cybernetic back at this point, and he has people run into the big boot. Stay your ass the fuck home. Ric Flair's another one. I love Ric Flair, dirtiest player in the game. Psychopath. Stay your ass home or or be a manager or be a commentator. Seriously. Even Sting. I like Sting, but watching Sting wrestle sometimes, it's it's a little painful to watch. Sting has one more run in him, and I'd like to see him get that run in the WWE. Maybe face The Undertaker at WrestleMania because the buildup for that match will be incredible. Put him in the Hall of Fame, and that's it. Sting, I like you, you're going into the TNA Hall of Fame, but don't finish your career there. Finish your career in the WWE, take on fucking The Undertaker, because that's all people are going to want to care about, and just go off into the sunset. Now, obviously, all the great things people have said about Jerry Lawler, all the kind words, all the stuff, there's always got to be somebody that throws the monkey wrench into the equation, and that particular person is New Jack. For those of you not familiar, New Jack was part of the Gangsters, an ECW tag team. He was also involved in the famous mass transit incident, which if you're not well-versed in in wrestling history, do yourselves a favor and look up the mass transit incident. It is a... uh, 
basically, in a nutshell, they needed a guy for a wrestling role. So a father told ECW that his son was a wrestler, this very large guy. Um, the guy's dad, I believe, was a bus driver. So they dubbed him Mass Transit. He went out there in a match with New Jack. New Jack cut the guy with a fork or a box cutter, cut an artery in the guy's forehead. Guy was bleeding everywhere. And yeah, he practically almost killed a guy. It was it was insane. Anyway, New Jack went on Twitter and just went off on the Jerry Lawler situation. And I'm going to read you some of New Jack's tweets. Now, regardless of what you feel about Jerry Lawler or whatever, what New Jack did definitely pushed the envelope. Here's what he said. Regarding Jerry Lawler, this was one of his first tweets. Just heard about Lawler. Fuck that racist motherfucker. Die slow, you fucking cocksucker. That's what New Jack put on Twitter. Next one. If Lawler dies, let me know where his grave is so I can go and piss on it. Next tweet after that. Please let me know where they put that fucker in the ground in the ground so I can piss on his grave. And of course, obviously the fans were obviously just dumbfounded with his commentary. So one, he responded to a fan with the following. Bitch, I'm not here to make you happy. If what I said hurts, go fuck yourself. Next line. I don't work for fucking fans. If what I say hurts your little white feelings, so what? You're following me. Next up, somebody puts, oh, I've really outdone myself this time. First Terry, then Brian Knobs gets knocked the fuck out. I beat the shit out of Balls Mahoney and now Jerry Lawler. When asked about why he was ranting, he said when Kamala was going through his shit, nobody said shit. So now this shit with Lawler is supposed to touch me? Fuck every one of you. Somebody said that New Jack was racist. He said, not racist. FYI, my two kids are from a white woman. So the next one of you motherfuckers that calls me a racist, I will send you a free DVD, damn it. Look, New Jack is insane. He is out of his mind. He really is. You know, uh, threatening to release naked pictures of Terry Runnels, uh, saying, you know, getting to fights with Balls Mahoney, wishing death on Jerry Lawler, the Kamala incident. Look, Kamala had diabetes. He had his leg amputated. They were soliciting donations. He didn't magically amputate his own leg during a wrestling match or CM Punk didn't run out there with a chainsaw and saw off Kamala's leg. Kamala had diabetes and he got his leg cut off. That's the way shit goes when you have diabetes. Jerry Lawler had a fucking heart attack. Motherfucker almost died out there during Raw. Regardless of how you feel about the dude, don't... Yeah, I understand. You know, you want to get heat maybe or you're trying to make yourself relevant. But damn, you really just were, were, were said, I hope he dies. Die slow. You know, you want to say Jerry Lawler's racist? All right, maybe you had some 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 run-ins with Lawler or whatever. But again, there's a time and a place for that shit. And that was not it. I really felt it was a classless move by New Jack. And I like New Jack. He's a fucking psychopath. I could always watch him do some crazy shit. But this, this was definitely a little too much. Kip's actually said in the chat that the concussions have finally caught up with him. And you know what? He might be right. All right, that's going to wrap up wrestling for this week. Let's get into some video games because we got a lot of stuff to talk about. And, of course, last but not least, we know that Slick will probably be joining us to help us break down the Wii U news and share his thoughts on the announcements as well. 
Let's get the ball rolling. All right, we got lots to talk about. First up, a couple of weeks back, we were talking about the Spartacus Legends game that's coming to Xbox Live and PSN. It's been said now that the game is going to be free to play. It's going to be developed by the Kung Fu Factory, being published by Ubisoft. It's going to be available next year. Uh, The concept of the game, of course, obviously is going to be arena combat. But the cool thing is that your game is going to let you create a warrior, fight in the arena, train them in eight different fighting styles. But the crazy part is that if if you're a fighter dies in the arena, then he dies in the game permanently. So you might go through all this trouble of building up this awesome gladiator. You go in the arena, you fight some dude, he cuts your fucking head off. Guess what? Your gladiator dead, not coming back. That is a cool concept that your your created character, that's it. He goes out there and he gets killed, it's game over. It kind of keeps the game fresh, allows people to create different types of fighters. I'm really looking forward to it, not even as a Spartacus fan, but just because it's something a little different. Again, it's going to be free to play, and it'll be available on Xbox Live and PSN. Last week, I didn't have the opportunity to discuss MPD numbers, but there were some surprising numbers that came out for the month of August. Um, August ended with $237 million in software sales. That was down 9% from last year. Hardware sales also went down 39% from last year ending at $150 million. Out of that, though, the Xbox 360 sold 190,000 units, obviously making it the top platform, but the PS3 and the 3DS also saw increased sales in July. So the console wars are still heating up, but Xbox is definitely the leader. Accessories only went down 7%. Uh, Total amount in accessories sold was $127.3 million. Now... Let's get into the top 10 MPD titles, of course. Let's work our way back. Number 10 was The Amazing Spider-Man. Call of Duty Black Ops was 9. Arkham City was 8. Fall of Cybertron Transformers was number 7. Sleeping Dogs was 6. Lego Batman 2 was number 5. NCAA Football 13 was number 4. Kingdom Hearts 3D Dream Drop Distance was number 3. New Super Mario Brothers was 2. And Darksiders 2 was the number one selling game for the month of August. I will tell you this, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, you know, Madden wasn't included. Madden's numbers will probably be in the MPD numbers for September. But I will tell you, Madden did break some records. The game sold 1.6 million copies in the first week, which was a launch record. Last year, they only sold 1.4, so obviously the Madden fan base increased. Also... Over 1.4 million players played online in the first week. That's that's insane. It's insane. That's a 31% increase from last year. So Madden definitely continues to make a statement. Darksiders, it's good to see them in the number one slot. Obviously, for those of you not familiar, we have a great relationship with the team from Darksiders. Our reviews for Darksiders 2 are on MyTakeRadio.com. Slick has one, as well as myself. So you can check those out as well if you're on the fence about picking it up. Definitely an enjoyable game. And they got some DLC in the works, which I'll discuss later in the segment. I gotta bring in Slick now because this particular bit of news involves Pokemon Black and White 2 and the Genesect Pokemon. So I want to discuss that with him. So I'm going to bring him on real quick. 
Uh, I do got to agree with Kips. Kips said he hasn't played Madden since 2007. I boycotted Madden after they bought the EA bought the NFL license. I used to be an NFL 2K guy. Um, so I can definitely be, uh, you know, I can definitely agree with not playing Madden fucking roster update 13. Let me bring Slick in. We can talk a little bit about this Pokemon business, the rest of the game segment, and also the Wii U as well. Slick, what's going on, brother? What's up, man? Nothing much, but check this out. Pokemon Black and White 2, if you buy the game within the first month, you have from October 12th to November 12th to get the Pokemon Genesect through the Nintendo Wi-Fi connection. Genesect, they're saying he's a bug and steel-type Pokemon that was found as a fossil. What do you know about this character, and is it worth people picking up the game and picking that particular character up? Well, I guess they're trying to do a similar thing to what they did when uh, the original Pokemon Black and White came out. You had a certain amount of time where you could download the... um, It wasn't downloading, but you got like a, a ticket where you could go get... The uh, Pokemon Zero, I forget his name right off the top of my head, but um, they're doing a similar thing with, with this one now. And um, sorry, it was Victini. That was that was the Pokemon. Yeah, I remember you wrote a post about that. Yeah, it's like I had seen, I had looked up Genesect from before the original games came out. This was like the worst idea for a Pokemon ever. Because it's like, yeah, let me just put two types together that are just doubly freaking weak against fire. It's like, you put out any fire Pokemon, this thing is dead in like five seconds. Hmm. So what do you think of them using this new combination Pokemon, Steel and Bug type? That's what I'm saying. Both Steel types and Bug types are weak against fire. So you put this thing together and it's like, it's terrible. So then what's the incentive then to even pull the trigger on this shit? The incentive is to quote unquote catch them all. Yeah, but I mean, uh, it when you go through the trouble of, of bagging these particular types of Pokemon that are either pre-order bonuses or rare ones, other than obviously having the that particular new Pokemon, is there even, uh, um, is it worth it like from a power standpoint or are you better off just upgrading the ones you already have? The the rare Pokemon, whether or not you use them in gameplay, they're they're always good bargaining chips. Ah, okay. Because worst come to worst, if you hate the damn thing and you don't you don't want it, somebody will just because they don't have it. So you can get something good for it. Makes sense. All right. Yeah, I was always, you know, I'm, I'm out of the loop with, with Pokemon, dude. I haven't played that shit in ages. I think the last one I played was Yellow. So you know I'm, you know I'm out of the loop. Yeah. Well, check this out. And tell me what you think. Metal Gear Revengeance was supposed to be slated for PS3 and 360. We know that's happening here in the U.S., They canceled the 360 version overseas, though, only releasing it on the PS3 in Japan. Now, one of the reasons they're saying is because the PS3 has a larger install base than the 360 in Japan. But 
Do you think that that's actually going to hurt the game in the long run, limiting it to one console in Japan and then the two consoles here in the U.S.? It is really hard to say because exclusives generally will still do well. Obviously, if you cut out a console, I mean, yeah, you're cutting potential sales, but I mean... If you're gonna if you're gonna cut it out in one country, you might as well just make the shit exclusive worldwide. Because, I mean, I still maintain that the biggest problem people complained about Final Fantasy Thirteen. I say the only reason why that game was even mildly messed up is because they put it on three sixty. Right, because they split that across what four discs, five discs. Exactly, and then on freaking PS3, it's one disc. I remember they also tried to to cater to the Japanese audience with the Legend of Blue Dragon on the 360. I never played it, though. Did you ever play that shit? No, I only know one person who did. And, like, Blue Dragon only really would have done well in Japan. It wasn't going to do well in the States because the freaking anime didn't even do well in the States. Damn. Yeah, I remember it. I remember the huge marketing campaign for them to try and get traction in Japan and it just it just didn't work. I, I have to acknowledge Ravage said that there's only three Xbox 360s in Japan. Kind of fucked up. But you know what the funny thing is? He says that, and I see a lot of a, a lot of Street Fighter players out of Japan or uh, Street Fighter Cross Tekken on the 360. So I think probably the fighting community is stronger out there from from an Xbox Live standpoint. But RPGs and even adventure games, I can definitely see based on this. That they have no no shelf life over there. Exactly. You I don't, don't see a lot of. I mean, you don't see a lot of RPGs for the 360. Period. I mean, at least not compared to the the PS3. And it's, it's trying to launch a, a Japanese RPG on the 360, other than Final Fantasy, is almost never a good idea. Well, a lot of people are saying, even even Ravage in the chat, that Metal Gear only belongs on the on the PlayStation. Period. Which is weird because I mean the game was born on Nintendo and really hasn't seen a Nintendo console in ages. I'm surprised that with the with the launch of the Wii U, we didn't see something related to Metal Gear, kind of to bring that back full circle. Well, you remember right now they're focusing on launch titles and. Metal Gear titles are notorious with taking, you know, a long time to come out. Anything from Hideo Kojima, you know, takes a while to come out. So that's not to say that there's not something in the works. I hope so, man. Just because, like like, like I said, the, 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 the old Nintendo Metal Gear kind of set the, the standard, the foundation for that. So, you know. It's 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 strange to not see that, that particular game come full circle. I mean, I know they did some stuff with the GameCube... And they're doing stuff like that, but it, I, you got to kind of go back to the roots, even if we get to see, I think Revengeance, based on, on how it looks graphically, when you compare it to what I saw from Arkham City on the Wii U, I don't think it's going to look as good, but it just brings things back full circle. Well, I mean, Arkham City doesn't look bad on the Wii U. I'm not going to say it looks as good as the PC, but nothing does. No. And I don't think the graphics are bad on the Wii U at all. I mean, are they standing up to the PS3? No, but 
considering what we're coming from, and I just want to go back to what Ravis said in the chat. He said, Nintendo hasn't put out a real console since the GameCube. I would disagree with that. The problem with the Wii, as we've said many times, is it just didn't have the games. The console itself was solid. Yeah, well, the GameCube had, had some had some good games. The Wii, the problem with the Wii is what I said, and we've discussed this at length. That was the fact that Nintendo had very few first-party titles, and when they did, there were huge gaps. And, of course, the other thing was shovelware. Shovelware out the ass. Chicken Shoot, Cooking Mama, Iron Chef America, Mime Tackle, Homeless Cart Race. Come on, man. <laughs> Seriously, Homeless Shopping Spree, um... You know, abortion clinic one oh one, just just garbage, dude. They they had like that fake baby that you buy in, in Best Buy and you stick like the Wii mode, I think, up the baby's ass and you rock the baby. Oh, get out of here with that shit. Why did your system suck? I don't know, because you're selling me a fake baby. Maybe that's why. <laughs> Come on, really. You have you have Mario, all of Mario's villains, you have Kirby, Star Fox. Donkey Kong, Kid Icarus, F-Zero, and the list goes on. And you mean to tell me that uh, that we get maybe one or two first-party titles and they're like six months apart? Yeah, well, fortunately, it looks like Nintendo got the, got the picture. They went back to the lab. Not even the lab. They went back in the street and, you know, they got these third-party developers and say, listen... We need some real games this time around, not some bullshit. Yep. I mean, I see games that, for me, I consider to be bullshit, but a lot of people feel like, like fucking Fame Party, but I'm sure that will still have its, its audience. But Dude, I played Wii Nintendo- Fit. I played Wii Fit like a jerk-off. Every morning, I would turn that fucking scale on like an asshole, stand on it, get yelled at because I lift weights, so obviously the fucking scale can't tell the difference, and I would proceed to jog with a Wiimote in my pocket in my room for like three miles. There's a market for all of that shit. The problem is that you have to mix it up. You, you have to, you have to, you have to mix it up. I bought, when I saw Wii Fit, I thought it was a hokey, bullshit fucking idea. And then I bought it, and I played it often. Often, dude. I played Wii Fit a lot. I also played Wii Sports and Wii Sports Resort a lot, especially Home Run Derby. You're bored, you got a little sweat going. There's a market for that shit, dude. But like like you were saying, it's like getting in bed with the third-party titles gives gamers hope. Especially with the titles that they were showing, which we'll get into later on in the segment. But... Nintendo, you can't just come out of the gate strong and then scale it back. Otherwise, you're fucked. I want to say one thing. Just I know when I get into the Wii, it's too tough just yet, but I'm going to say one thing which really says that the Wii U has a chance of redeeming Nintendo. What's that? You know how I feel about first-party shooters. Yep. Call of Duty Black Ops 2 on the Wii U looks like a hot game. Well, Call of Duty Black Ops 2 f- from start to finish is looks like a passable game. But you know what it is? The, the looks of it definitely help, 
But just seeing a first-person shooter that looks remotely passable on on a Nintendo console, it's like it's like seeing a unicorn for the first time. <laughs> Seriously, you're like you turn on your Wii U and you're like, I can shoot guys and stab them in the head. Finally, you know, like that's all it is, dude. I mean, I understand why you like it because you know you want to kind of give Nintendo some props. But again, it's like that's because Nintendo put on their big boy pants. And they said, "All right, we're gonna let people get shot in the face. We're gonna we're gonna get, have people get killed. We're we're gonna we're gonna step our game up." Now they went in. They they went back to Japan. They 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 didn't put on their big boy pants. They put on their hard gay pants. They <laughs> went in. Well said. Well said. Well, before we get into that, just want to get some smaller things out of the way. Argyle's Tomb for Darksiders Two is coming out in a few weeks. Uh, It's going to give you access to a brand new Frozen Realm, new rare items, and weapons. You're also going to get two dungeons and an on-rail shooter as well. Uh, Obviously, if you got the limited edition, the DLC will be free, or if you got the pre-order. For those of us that didn't, in a few weeks, we'll be able to pick that up. Did you, you didn't pre-order the... I don't know when the fuck the the Crucible is coming out. Did you pre-order, did you pre-order Darksiders, or you just went and bought it on release? I pre-ordered it, so I, I already have Argos Tomb nice. in my PS3. I just, they got to send me an email with no one that's available. Gotcha. Speaking of the PS3, I'm glad you brought it up. A lot of people were kind of bummed because they didn't want to buy the whole Killzone trilogy to get the remastered PS2 version. Uh, the PlayStation blog actually shared that they're going to release, they're going to release Killzone HD by itself as a PSN download. It's coming out October 23rd, and it's going to run you 15 bucks. Nice. I know that Not we were. Bad. I know we were talking in the chat. I saw Ravage mentioned it, and we were talking a little bit about Madden. And um, Ravage mentioned that Two K Sports like owns, the, you know, the sports games right now. Well, obviously, a nail in the coffin for that is that NBA Live Thirteen got delayed. It was supposed to be launching in October. It's not. There's no new release date. NBA 2K13 drops October 2nd, and the NBA season starts October 30th. There hasn't been a basketball, an, an NBA live game since 2010. And nobody cares. Yeah, exactly. You want to know what the sad part is? NBA 2K13 looks so good and has so much cool shit that I'm actually tempted to buy a basketball game. I haven't bought a basketball game since since Jordan retired. And I'm 100% serious. The the most I, I played... The last basketball game that I bought was NBA Live 96 on the Super Nintendo. Shit. See, I'm not that bad. In terms of, like, NBA Live and stuff like that, I stopped playing it. I did play, you know, like, the street ball games, like NBA Street and stuff like that, especially the NBA... I think it was NBA Street 2 that had Jordan in it. Oh, I played that shit for, for, for at least two years before I finally just said, all right, I gotta hang this shit up. But... No, no, no NBA Live, and like you said, nobody's get, nobody gives a shit. Nobody has shed a tear. They're too busy putting out NBA baller beats. Because the fact is, there's no game, there's no sports game that EA makes that somebody doesn't do better. And the only reason why there's no football game is because, like you said, they bought the damn franchise. I mean, don't get me wrong, they do They do a pretty good, you know, they do FIFA. 
I'm not a big soccer I'm not a big soccer fan, but I've seen I've seen great improvements in that game, and that's the kind of shit that pisses me off with like Madden. Madden they make improvements, but it's not it's not on that same level. FIFA games, you'll see like some serious graphical improvements. You'll see brand new stadiums, real looking grass. Like they really step their game up. Then then for Madden, it's like, oh look, you can go in behind the quarterback view. Oh, you can get injured. Great, thanks. Thanks for telling us stuff that we know. You know, can we can we can we gamble Pete Rose style on our own games? Maybe send hookers to the locker room like in Blitz the League? No, no, we can't do any of that. Oh look, you can get injured. And I can throw the ball behind the helmet like a quarterback. Those are those are the advancements that they want you to pay sixty dollars for. There you go. But even with the FIFA game, there's I forget the name of it. It's something eleven. Pro Evolution on FIFA. Pro Evolution Soccer is the other soccer game that they put out. But FIFA, you know, EA EA at least you can see improvements in FIFA. You get what I'm saying? Like when you play that game, when you put in a brand new copy of FIFA, even the demo, I, I looked at the demo and I was like, damn, that looks pretty damn good. But that's because FIFA has a broader audience. Not to say that Madden shouldn't sell, because it will, but think about the audience for FIFA. It's not only here in the States, but you have that international flavor out there. Right. But that that's the main winning eleven seven. That's the game that it murdered FIFA. Oh my God! I remember that. I remember. I I remember seeing that game. I don't remember too many details, but I remember a lot of people did like that game a lot. If that console, like if that game, you know, franchised itself, nobody would buy FIFA. This is true. But again, it's like EA. EA just gets comfortable, man. They get comfortable and then they drop the ball. And that's what happened with Madden. The NFL 2K series kept them on their toes. Hell, NFL Game Day. Remember when NFL Game Day came out? I think that was on the PS1 and PS2. Yeah. Ugh. Now it's like Madden and that's it. Anyway, we got most of the news out of the way. Let's get into the this Wii U discussion. Obviously, you live blogged the, the Wii U stuff this morning. I was up at 3 a.m. watching Reggie fils like an asshole half asleep, talk about the Wii U. Um, what were your initial impressions on the system? Obviously, you shared in the chat some of them. What What do you think? When they first announced the Wii U, I was like, why? I, I really was like, why? It's like, I, I kind of felt it was too soon, even though, you know, the Wii came out at this point six years ago, almost to date. As a matter of fact, I think when they release it, it will be six years today because it came out around uh, Thanksgiving in 2006. Right. And I said, let me give it a chance. I haven't really seen anything on it because I, I pretty much missed E3 and I was working. And I got a, I got a, a fan on um, Facebook. I got a note from the Nintendo fan page that Reggie was going to be doing a thing in New York today and that it was going to broadcast live at 10 a.m. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to check it out. First thing he did, he said, let me get it out the way because you know how they like people like to keep the price tag till the end. He's like, no. First thing we're going to do, we're going to tell you the price. There's two flavors. 
There's the white Wii, Wii U, which, you know, has 8 gigs of internal storage, comes with the gamepad, stylus, and a sensor bar, you know, and I was shocked that they actually have a HDMI cable in the box. First console would do that. And it's two ninety nine. Then for fifty bucks more, you get the Blee U. You get a black Wii U. You get the Blee U. The Blee U, yeah. <laughs> you get thirty two gigabytes of storage, the gamepad, and all the stuff that you got in the first package. Plus, you get Nintendo Land, which is a sixty dollar game. You get, you know, like um, a charger for the the gamepad, and a bunch of other, sh- you know, random shit, which you know, stands and stuff, but just the fact that you get the, you know, quadruple the memory and the game, that's already worth the 50 bucks. All right. And, uh, the Go ahead. Finally, Nintendo gives you a color choice in the console, you know, on the launch instead of two years later. Well, here, here's, a, here's a couple of things, and like I said, this is going to be pretty lengthy anyway, but th- this is how I saw it watching it, you know, watching it at 3 a.m., I think that Nintendo sat down and realized that they were losing the older gaming demographic. They realized that the Wii was getting senior citizens, young children, but losing the core gamer. The only time the core gamer would jump on board would be for, you know, Mario, first party titles, and then they would jump off and they wouldn't turn it on. Uh, Maybe they'd buy a couple of classic games and then it would just hang out. The Wii turned out to be the kind of system where a couple of your buddies come over, they'd have a couple of beers, and they'd drunkenly play Wii Sports. Or maybe you'd, you'd play Super Mario. But it wasn't along the lines where it made people camp out for certain games. It wasn't on that level. It was, it was on a level where first-party titles, you may get that, but it wasn't consistent. And that's what damaged Nintendo. Now, with the Wii U, when I was watching it, I said, you know, to go back to what you were saying, they kind of just took a seat and they said, we need to get that mid-range demographic back. Not because we need them back, but because those motherfuckers spend money. You see what I'm saying? Like, parents... And I'm like, going back to what you said about the Wii, I'll put it this way. There's a senior center in my building. Guess what they do three days of the week? They play the Wii. Yep. Well, here's here's the other thing, too. You have to look at what you're appealing to. A senior citizen is going to go, they're going to maybe play Wii Sports, and maybe play the, uh, the newer Wii Sports, and maybe a couple of other things. Parents are going to buy their children the Mario games, the occasional Harry Potter, things like that. But you're not going to sell... That like like you know like Muramasa the Demon Blade, or um, you know No More Heroes, which were gr- which were great games, but they weren't promoted accordingly. Number one and number two, there just wasn't that audience. Like the only people that bought that were one or two hardcore gamers. That's where the Wii suffered. The Wii suffered because of lack of advertising for for third party titles, and they just they just alienated that demographic. Now, the problem with Nintendo also was the fact that, and, and we've said this, and it, and it looks like they're changing it, they depended too much on first-party titles to get them over the hump. Nintendo built this industry, and they're playing third banana, not even second banana, third banana, 
to Microsoft and Sony at this point. Which weren't even their original competitors. Thank you. Is it, you know, it's embarrassing that you built this place. You built this industry. And, you know, Bill Gates decided we're going to start making video games and he just whooped your ass. Or Sony decided that and we're going to create... Let's top it off even more than that. Your console has basically been copied by both of the other consoles and they still, you know, shit on me. Well, you know what the thing is too? And then you look at a system like the DS and, and, and all the handhelds, the handhelds were something that were, that were a, a crowning achievement for Nintendo. I remember everybody wanted a Game Boy. Everybody wanted a DSi. Everybody wanted a DS Lite. Everybody wanted a Game Boy Advance. Remember the Game Boy Advance SP? Yep. I know. I know so dude, I, I still have one. Yeah, I still have one too, which I think still has like a RAM cart with a couple of old games. I think I played Street Fighter on it and Streets of Rage and some other shit. But the fact is that Nintendo, they got, they got comfortable. And that's what happens. They got comfortable. And the problem with getting comfortable is that if you're not at the top of the heap, and you get comfortable, and you're just at the bottom, everybody else is going to pass you by. Microsoft did that with the PCs, with their PCs, and with their operating systems for a while, and after Apple started whooping their ass, they went back to the drawing board, and you know, now Windows 7 probably is their best OS yet. You know? Because, because they stopped getting comfortable. I like the fact that they realized that, hey, we lost an audience, we need to get them back. What I don't like is the fact that that they're going to come out strong, but it's about the longevity that I want to see. The pricing is good. The, the launch lineup looks good. But let's have this conversation six months from now, a year from now. Can they survive? I mean, not, not survive in terms of going out of business or anything like that, but I just mean survive to a point where when we're talking about MPD numbers, it's Nintendo at number one, and then you can interchange Sony and Microsoft at two and three. I don't know that they're going to make number one, but the Wii U launch will definitely be big, and they will survive. They have, they said, 50-plus games slated for their launch window. Not launch date, but their launch window, which is November 18th through March of 2013. Right, which we'll, which we'll go into as well. Well, and I mean... Go ahead. Aside from the rehashes, which, as much as I like these titles, I literally am skimming over because I already have them. You know, you have your Darksiders 2 and your Arkham City Armored Edition, which... I literally only see people who haven't already played these games playing them. And word of advice to Nintendo to get on on um, Rocksteady: that Arkham City Armored Edition better have that Harley mission in it. Yep. Or fuck you guys, because you want sixty dollars for a game that people played over a year ago. Well, here's a couple of other things too. Obviously, that you got your you got your your Wii and your Blee, and you got the gamepad and all this stuff. They're not going to start selling extra game pads yet until, you know, more, more systems come out. According to what they're saying in Japan, the Wii pads 
are going to run you a hundred and seventy three dollars or thirteen thousand four hundred and forty yen. Obviously, that's the conversion for Japan. Who knows what they'll be here? But dude, it's a hundred and seventy five dollars for an extra for an extra Wii pad. So then, basically, they're saying that the console literally is about the price of a Wii. Pretty much, without without getting because yeah, because the the pad the pad itself is one hundred and seventy three dollars. Because the pad literally looks like a gigantic freaking Game Boy Advance. Yep. Yeah, so you know Reggie Reggie was saying he he, he in a statement he gave to Engadget that through the launch window there's not going to be any games that are going to leverage a second controller, which is weird because if you remember they were showing people playing the board games on the on the tablets. You know, like 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 bat like backgammon and shit like that. Um so they they they're gonna go crazy with this gamepad. Like just from the stuff that I saw today, there's gonna be a lot of shit that can be done with the gamepad aside from just playing games. The the games that go in the console. Well, you know what the thing is too, if you're if you're pushing that console into into households with children and the Wii Pad is 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 a is a, is an essential part of that, you're gonna need a second one. And not for nothing, it's like $173. I mean, it's fine because whatever, you're selling somebody a tablet. But, you know, you can buy a Nexus tablet for $200. Uh, obviously, it's, it's, it's no, not... It's not necessarily the second one right away. Well, it's apples, it's apples and oranges in that comparison. But I'm just saying, like, the con- an extra controller for, for a house with more than one child at $173 a clip it's it's going to be tough. I'm sure at some point when when the manufacturing costs go down, maybe they'll drop them down to $100, but it, there's definitely going to be some sticker shock with regards to that. It really depends because it depends on if they make the games need the the gamepad to play. Right. Because one of the things they they stressed was that there's full hardware backwards compatibility, and most, you know, they said software um, backwards compatibility with most uh, Wii games. Right. So, if you can play these games with the Wii mode and the nunchuck, yeah, you may have to worry about kids fighting over who gets to get the gamepad, but the Wii install base is so huge that most people will one launch have more than one controller for this console. Right. Because, I mean, your average house that has a Wii has at least two Wiimotes. This is true. So if you can play, say, Super Mario Bros. U with either the gamepad or the Wiimote combination, you got multiple players already. This is true. That game, for one, allows four players at once and multiple modes. So if it's allowing the gamepad to just be one type of way you can control a game, you're still good. That's that's actually a a solid way of looking at it. I, I am concerned, though, like I said, about sticker shock. The beauty of it all is, like you said, if you leave it for a little bit and people kind of just have their stuff right now at launch... 
It's not something that's going to pop up right off the bat. But down the road, you know, people are going to be like, really? $175? Not to say that in the U.S. it'll cost that much. But, you know, once you get into, once you get into that territory, that's like, that's like other console money. That's like the price of a Wii system at that point. Well, well, yeah, it's more than a Wii. Now that it's what a hundred bucks. Yeah. Well, but like you said, that's provided that they actually charge charge that amount here, which I'm sure they'll charge at least probably one fifty. Yeah, one fifty. I can but see. One seventy five is going to be tough, dude. One fifty. People are going to be like, yeah, but it's a fucking tablet. You know, that's how you can like like if you had to sell it in GameStop, you can tell those shitheads in there. Just tell the parents you're getting a tablet for hundred and fifty dollars, and and it makes it more there's appealing. No guarantee that there's no guarantee that that's not what you're going to be getting. Right. Like I said, the shit, just the shit they show today, it does a lot of stuff other than just play games. Right. It's a it's a it's a handheld system in itself. You know, you can switch the game to the to the controller instead of using it on the TV if you want. Which is, all of that stuff is great. I mean, the innovation is there. But, like I said, sticker shock down the road. The other thing I wanted to talk about to not just stay on the tablet was the Wii U Pro Controller, which is going to, you know, it drops the same day as the system does, and it's 50 bucks. I like the design. I think it's going to be, it opens up, you know, fighting games, some of those traditional controller games. But above all else, it gives extra life to a lot of those Wii titles that people were playing with the classic controllers. And with their yeah. and with their wave birds, I still had my I kept my wave bird for a while for that reason. And if this shit still lets you use the wave bird, which I that I don't know, they didn't say anything about GameCube compatibility, but you know, there's always that possibility as well. I sold the I sold my wave bird on eBay, dude, and I got like 150 bucks for it. Because <laughs> people still want them. Yep. Now. Obviously, the Pro Control is going to run you 50 bucks. Let's go into some of the titles. I'll go down the list, and we'll recap. Uh, they're going to release... Uh, there's an expected list, which is supposed to drop between March 18th and... Mar- um, excuse me, November 18th and March 2013. Here are the titles. NBA 2K... Posted the list. I posted the list of the chat. Right. But for the listening audience... <laughs> NBA 2K13, uh, Jeff Tailfin, Madden 13... FIFA Soccer, Mass Effect 3, Toki Tori 2, Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate, Zombie U, Just Dance 4, Avengers Battle for Earth, Rabbids Land, Assassin's Creed 3, Rayman Legends, Sports Connection, Your Shape Fitness Evolved, Nano Assault Neo, Aliens Colonel Marines, oh, Colonial, well, I think it's Colonial Marines or Colonel Marines. Colonial, it's Colonial. Sega, Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing Transform, which I really thought looked good. Uh, Trine 2, Tank Tank Tank, I have no idea what the fuck that is. Tekken Tag Tournament 2, Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, Darksiders 2, The Funky Barn, God, Shovelware. Call of Duty Black Ops 2, 007 Legends, Cabela's Dangerous Hunts, Wipeout 3, Skylanders Giants, which they will sell a lot of. Uh, Rapala Pro Brash... Pro Bass Fishing, Transformers Prime, Disney, Epic Mickey 2, The Power of 2, Scribblenauts, Game Party Champions, Batman Arkham City Armored, Runner 2, 
Ben 10 Omniverse, Rise of the Guardians, Family Party, 30 Games, Obstacle Arcade, Shovelware, <laughs> Zumba Fitness, New Super Mario Brothers Wii U, Game and Wario, Ninja Gaiden 3, Sing Party, Nintendo Land, We Fit You, which is a no-brainer, The Wonderful 101, Pikmin 3, and Warriors Orochi 3. Those are the titles. Now, out of those titles, what are going to be some of the ones you, you're you going to pick up? Well, Nintendo Land will come with it because... Um, you're going to buy the 32 gig one. <laughs> already bought it. Oh, here you go. <laughs> Fuck. I expect a day one review of that, then, if I don't get it. <laughs> I expect it, damn it. What else? The New Super Mario Brothers U... Um, it's, you know, it's standard Mario fare. It's like, now you're a flying squirrel, but it's it still looks like something that's going to get a lot of attention because yep. they went in, they added new modes. Like, there's, there's the challenge mode where, like, they had a level where the guy had to, had to not touch the ground for a certain period of time using, the, like, the flying squirrel costume. Like, they have modes where you can have multiple players and... The board speeds up. It's it's side scrolling, so you know you got to keep everybody alive and moving. And you know then there's the different modes of the standard game. They they're trying to change up what the different forms of Mario do. Like the um, the micro Mario can run up and down walls and shit. The game that actually stood out really well was Lego City Undercover where you play, like, this this agent who's just, like, he's whacked out of his fucking mind, and he's trying to stop, like, this terrorist. Right. And it's completely Lego. But it, the game just looks like, for anybody who's playing any of, like, the Lego Batman, the Lego Star Wars, it's, like, it's really out there. And I, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a, a good following. Okay. Bayonetta 2, they didn't show shit, but, it, I mean, it's Bayonetta 2. Anybody who's a fan is going to want to play that. Right. They well, have Pikmin 3, which, it, it's Pikmin 3. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking, it's fucking little, little, little guys that look like the goons from the Popeye cartoons in different colors running around doing shit. Thanks. There is some... Transformers sh- Prime. There is shovelware in there, a, though. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but most of it is not. Right. Transformers, Transformers Prime. Transformers Prime is, um, they said it's supposed to be a brawler type game, but it's really mixing up the transformation. Like, you're going to use, like what I was talking to you about with, like, a hot rod type character. They, they, you're using transformation to your advantage in combat. But I saw a little bit of that in action, and that looked really good. Another game that really stood out was the Wonderful 101, which it's like, you have 101 different warriors that you have at your command, and, like, they sort of combine, like, Voltron in different ways and do all kinds of crazy shit. Okay. It looks it looks sort of like Beautiful Joe on crack. Take that for what you will. Okay. But it looked really good. And um, the Skylanders game, that shit's going to be gangbusters in the, the younger community. They're, they're really going hard with Skylanders, even over, like, Pokemon right now. Yes, that is true. 
Go ahead. And it's the way it's going to work with, you know, using the, the game pad to bring the characters into the game. That shit is, is going to, that's dope. That's like writing your own check right there. Well, I, I'll tell you this. I, I And people are going to probably give me shit. Madden 13, I'm interested in seeing because you'll be able to draw the plays on the tablet. I'm curious to see that being executed. Regardless of you know my 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 reservations about Madden, just to see like play calling done like that, I'm interested in seeing. Zombie U, um, when I interviewed the gamer goddess for Beyond the Mic, she gave me a little insight on it. Definitely looks promising, super promising. Sonic and Sega All Stars Racing Transformed, I like because it kind of adds a little bit of a different dimension. You know where the car turned into the plane and turns into the, the you know the watercraft. That's kind of cool. Um, Black Ops, we know the deal. Uh, St- Skylanders Giants, definitely want to see that. I'm also curious about what they're going to do with We Fit You. As am I, because I didn't see anything about any kind of... Uh, well, they already said backwards compatibility with the Wii hardware. So right, but I'm sure... The Wii balance board. Right, but I, I smell a brand new balance board. Something better more streamlined, cleaner, not as bulky, uh, more sensitive to the way people, to, to people's different body types. Cause you got to look at something like the connect, the connect kind of changed the way it, we all play. Cause it creates a virtual skeleton based on your body, height, weight, all that stuff like weight, not so much, but definitely height and body type are just more user friendly on the connect. That I do have to say. Honestly, from what I've seen, I don't think Nintendo is even paying the connect any attention. No, they're not. But I'm just talking about when you want to get that market, that physical fitness market, you know, because I see they already got Zuma in there and, you know, a couple of dance games and We Fit You. So I'm sure there's going to be a different type of hardware that's going to be released that'll be used for that. I'm just curious as to... You know the integration just because the Wii U just it, it's a, it plays by a different set of rules. Obviously, the backwards compatibility is a factor, but just the overall layout in, in terms of that type of genre, I'm just curious to see how they implement it. I do have to commend them on allowing you to expand with your own storage. You know, Reggie Fizeme was like, "You can put a, a, a three terabyte hard drive on it if you want." I well, like that. And they were smart enough to take a page from, from Sony. Yep. That's the shit that's always frustrated me with the 360 with the, with their proprietary hard drives. Like, like, dude, you can buy a, a portable USB-powered hard drive for peanuts. For peanuts. Why would I want to spend all this money because it's in a hard shell that you stick to the side of your console? Get out of here with that shit. I'm really hoping in, within the next... F- second or third software updates on the 360, they finally allow you to do that. Because it's got to be a hardware thing. I mean, it's got to be a software thing at this point. What do you, what's going to happen when, what are you going to, when, when 500 gig hard drives are cheap and you can get a 500 gig hard drive, you know, a 2.5 hard drive for a hundred bucks yet because it's in a Microsoft hard shell, the shit's going to be like $250. Seriously, 
Like, like you you know we we spoke about this last week. I updated the hard drive on my PS3 to a 500 gig hard drive. I bought a Western Digital 2.5 hard drive for sixty two dollars. Sixty two. Microsoft is are the ones that are going to get fucked here. Ridiculous. That's definitely a step in the right direction. I also got to commend them, uh, you know, definitely engaging Netflix, Hulu, you know, the TV functionality that they're integrating in there, which I'm sure is going to be good as a, a way for them to promote that the Wii U can be your complete home theater component, much like the PS3 and the 360. I, I commend them for it. I thought you'd also be interested in knowing that um, uh, I only know so far that Tekken Tag is doing it, but it looks like some of the multi-platform games will be um, getting some Nintendo-exclusive add-ons. Like, I saw a Tekken Tag in action, and... The big mushroom? character's got a Mario mushroom. <laughs> I saw that. I saw Heihachi and Kazuya dressed as Mario and Luigi. And I laughed my ass off. And I saw somebody dressed as Link. I mean, the system itself has tremendous potential. It's not super powerful. I mean, it's got an IBM multi-core processor. They're using an AMD Radeon uh, GPU. But um, proprietary disks, 25 gig capability. They're actually giving it 802BGNN, four USB connectors. They're, they're, they're They're not... shying away from a lot of stuff they're the only thing i noticed they're giving supposedly six channel pcm via hdmi where why six and not seven Who the fuck right that shit doesn't make sense obviously all the hd stuff is there and you know power saving energy consumption and they got to go green i i applaud them for including the hdmi cable you know we had a good laugh about that obviously because it's like we were, it was funny because I spoke with Josh today and um, I was like, yeah, it includes the HDMI cable. And he's like, yeah, whoop the fucking do. I'm like, yeah, well, considering that your PS3, which is supposed to be part of your home theater, you don't have an HDMI cable for. It's like, go to Monoprice, buy the shit for $4. <laughs> Sony should go to Monoprice and buy fucking cables and bundle them in. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. But before we wrap things up, Obviously, you pre-ordered the system. What What do you think are the tools that Nintendo's going to need to to see this through and and make a, a an impact? They just need to keep doing what they're doing, which is getting the games. They actually have not a lot, but they actually have exclusives, which I was kind of shocked to see that you know aren't just complete random titles. Like they're, they're titles that people will actually you know be able to identify with and want to play. And they they literally, whether it's multi-platforms or exclusive or whatever, just keep getting the games and keep that shovelware to the barest minimum or get rid of it entirely. There you go. Like the, It looks like their version of Aliens Colonial Marines may not be the exact same game as the one on the um, PS3 and 360 and PC, which would kind of make sense because uh, they really have to scale that shit down. It looks like they might have built a different game from the ground up because 
all the shots here are in space. And the game that I saw for the, the other console over the PC usually are on a planet. Well, I got I got one one thing to say with regards to that. On for launch Christmas for November and December, do you think that a minimum of at least ten four star titles would help solidify them to move more units for the holidays, or do you think it's going to be more about just the people wanting a new system? No, they. I mean, they need to hope that people will buy into the um, more of the deluxe consoles because if people can't necessarily afford to buy games at Christmas time, which could very well be an issue. Yep that they'll at least have that one game like they had with, with Wii Sports back when the Wii came out. Right. And I I mean, I'm not sure what the title of If you, depending on what sites you look at, a lot of people are just listing the release date as December 31st, 2012 for a lot of titles. Right. So it looks like titles don't necessarily have release dates yet, but they're supposed to come out this year and there are there are actually at least ten strong titles that that are supposed to come out this year, but you know then there's titles that are supposed to come out next year, which like like I said, it should be before March. The average person, if they, I doubt this. You know, it's not going to be in time, but um, I was talking about the when Toys R Us does the buy two get one free, right. Yeah, Which, it doesn't look like the the Wii will will um be able, they'll be able to benefit from that on the Wii U at least not this year, but I would say the average person is probably going to get if they get the console at launch they're going to get maybe three titles this year. Okay. And I would think pretty much everybody will be able to find three titles at least that they like, and. There's definitely going to be um, ten strong titles for everybody within the the launch window, and that's not counting the games that are on other consoles. All right, fair enough. I think but I they, think they gotta spend you know from what from whatever they've done so far, they gotta keep going after those strong titles. If they do that, the console will do fine. I think just. Just to put a stamp on it, I honestly think that for the Wii U to be successful, there there has to be a, a strong first-party presence complemented by a strong third-party title presence. You have to have one solid third-party for every two first-party titles. So if you're giving people Mario, Mario Wii U and... I don't know, Mario Wii U for argument's sake, and maybe Zombie U, and then maybe you're throwing out Black Ops 2. That's going to help out. Because that way, you get to touch each demographic. The casuals, the renaissance gamers, the guys that like to play all the first-party stuff, plus you get to touch on the hardcores as well. One thing I will note that they did not discuss 
was whatever online system they were going to get in place, whatever Xbox Live PSN system they were going to get in place for that was not discussed. I think I, that's the Meverse, but they did not go into detail. Exactly. And, I, and, and that's actually going to be something that's going to be huge because if you give the system a solid online community on par with Xbox Live to a degree, then you have the makings of building a solid community for that console. Well, the problem there, and this is something I, I didn't even think about until just now, looking at everything, and I'm trying to see if I can get like a larger picture of the gamepad, no headset. Probably uh, wireless. But still, you think they would have shown it. Yep. But uh, but that's also going into what you said. You know, there was nothing established with the with the Meverse either. So that may come down the road. We may start seeing more of that closer to launch. Because now that the cat's out of the bag, they're going to keep just just keep dropping news on us. Yeah, and I mean, like take um, you got a Call of Duty game you go and you're bringing out and. Despite the crowd reaction at that press event, I mean, I think people would get behind a black a black ops game because you know Call of Duty sounds like fucking crack. And um, what do you call it? The the Transformers game I was telling you about it lets you play in single player only as all the bots, but then there's a multiplayer where you can choose from, it says you can choose from 11 different transformers. Huh. So that's obviously all the bots and Decepticons. Most likely. Free for all. Most likely. Well, November 18th will be here before you know it. Obviously you will be ready to shed some light on it. I may pick it up. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, it's it's going to take something big unless I get it from my sister, obviously, because she's more of the, the Nintendo fangirl. Um, we'll see what the deal is with that. Anything else you need to add, my friend? No, nah, I'm good with the game segment, man. All right, my dude. Thank you very much. No problem, man. Peace. Peace. All right. It is... Uh, 115 here in New York. We got 45 minutes of show left. Let's go and sprint to the finish and talk some movies because there's quite a bit to talk about this week. Spartans! What is your profession? I keep fucking up and forgetting to call it the entertainment segment. I haven't changed my show notes to reflect that like a schmuck. But yes, we... We are more entertainment based because we talk about some TV stuff as well. So don't let that, don't let the headline fool you. Anyway, speaking of TV, we got to open up with obviously we posted a trailer for Arrow, which is going to be the CW's follow up to Smallville, focusing on Green Arrow on the site, on the fan page. But there's also strong rumors saying that the CW may be pulling a trigger on a Wonder Woman series built in the same style as Smallville. As of right now, they're going to follow a young Wonder Woman starting out instead of, you know, the Wonder Woman we all know. They're going to start kind of with the retelling of the origin and going the Smallville route with it. I think that adding that particular 
storyline into the quote-unquote uh, CW DC universe might be the better way to go. I mean, going the whole action hero route that they were going with the with the ABC. I think it was ABC or NBC version at the time. Um, might might work a little better. I think starting starting small time and building the character up will allow people to get not only familiar with Wonder Woman as a character, but also kind of lay the groundwork for when you guys launch this alleged Justice League movie. Either way, you got Arrow, and it may be complemented by Wonder Woman. Now, we do have some what-the-fuck movie news for this week, and of all the things that, that came across my desk is the fact that Hollywood is working on a Joe Paterno movie. Now, the funny thing about that is that a Joe Paterno movie is whatever it's relevant to the headlines but um the worst part is that the guy that they have in line for joe paterno is none other than al pacino i kid you not a joe paterno movie with al pacino playing joe paterno now whatever make of it what you will the only thing i give a shit about is if Al Pacino's playing Joe Paterno, that whenever he's talking about uh, Jerry Sandusky, that whatever speech he gives in that movie goes like this. Who are you carrying all those bricks for, anyway? God? Is that it? God? Well, I tell you, let me give you a little inside information about God. God likes to watch. He's a prankster. Think about it. He gives man instincts. He gives you this extraordinary gift, and then what does he do? I swear, for his own amusement, his own private cosmic gag reel, he sets the rules in opposition. It's the goof of all time. Look- nothing, nothing compares to his speech in The Devil's Advocate, and the fact that he's playing Joe Paterno is just insane on so many levels. I think that above all, he's gonna he's gonna do a solid job. Is it worthy of it of it being a movie? No. Should it be like a TV film? I can deal with that. But really, you're gonna do a whole big Hollywood feature on Joe Paterno? Yuck. Moving on, we got a lot of Marvel news to talk about. Obviously, one of the big strong rumors is that we were gonna be seeing Doctor Strange pop up in the brand new Thor film. Everybody was uh, sharing rumors that Viggo Mortensen was going to play Doctor Strange. That rumor has since been squashed. But um, the fact is that we may see Doctor Strange in the Thor film. And and one of the reasons is because if you've never noticed, when you look in Odin's vault, you will see Doctor Strange's orb of Agamotto. If you've never noticed, the orb is in there along with the Infinity Gauntlet. So we may get to see Doctor Strange pop up in a Thor movie, which kind of works. As for who should play Doctor Strange, clearly they they put the kibosh on it being um, on it being Viggo Mortensen. But seeing seeing the fact that they want to even start introducing those characters definitely works. We already know that. You know, Falcon and Bucky are going to pop up in Captain America 2, and they already popped, uh, Bucky popped up in the first Captain America. So 
using these films to lay the groundwork for some other characters and maybe start expanding the universe, I have no issue with that. Doctor Strange is a tough character, though, because he's well-known, but it's either people love the character or they just hate his involvement in anything. I'm kind of 50-50. I think that when he was involved with you know World War Hulk, he was surprisingly well-written and very well-done. I don't know how well it'll carry over, like I said, to mainstream audiences, but the fact that Marvel's expanding their universe to include a character like Doctor Strange is pretty fucking cool in my book. Box office totals, you know it's dead out there when the possession was st- was number one for the second week. Lawless was number two, The Words was number three, The Expendables 2 was number four, Born Legacy was five, Paranorman was six, The Odd Life of Timothy Green was seven, The Campaign was eight, Dark Knight Rises was nine, and 2016 Obama's America was number ten. So, there you have it. Pretty dead at the box office. Of course, we got Resident Evil uh, dropping. We got Dread dropping next week. So, things are shaping up pretty good with the last few months of 2012. Obviously, we got The Hobbit, a couple of other movies on the pipe. Should be good. The Possession probably has one more weekend in the top five, and I'm sure it'll drop off rather quickly. For those of you that are looking forward to Kick-Ass 2, Bleeding Cool actually gave us some casting news regarding the casting of Mother Russia. The woman who is playing Mother Russia in Kick-Ass 2 is Olga Kerkulina. She is a Russian bodybuilder. If you want to get a good look at her, I posted her name in the in the fan and the chat room be sure to put it in google and press images and you will be either impressed or horrified at the images you'll see nonetheless she is playing mother russia who is a red miss bodyguard and enforcer so we got that finalized we got aaron johnson coming back chloe moretz coming back uh, mclovin coming back also we added john leguizamo donald faizan yancey butler morris chestnut so the cast is rounded out quite quite nicely. Jim Carrey as well as joining the cast. So Kick-Ass 2 in theaters June 28th. And some other comic news. Lobo looks like it's starting to pick up some steam. Obviously they want to focus on him being a bounty hunter. The plot so far seems to follow Lobo coming to Earth in search of four fugitives who are bent on wrecking havoc. Obviously the rumor right now is that The Rock would be playing Lobo. I really don't know how I feel about that casting, but it seems to be the direction they're going in because the director, Brad Payton, did Journey 2, so he worked with The Rock previously. In another bit of what-the-fuck movie news, IGN interviewed John Cho recently and said that we will be getting a Harold and Kumar animated series on Adult Swim. I don't even know how I feel about that. How much more can you tell about Harold and Kumar that you're going to go into an animated series, number one? Number two, maybe for cable, but for Adult Swim? Really? That's where you're going to go? I don't know about that. I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'll check it out. I've been watching Black Dynamite, which is hilarious. But I don't know if there's even a market for Harold and Kumar anymore for them to even be worth an animated series. Your other bit of what the fuck movie news goes into sequels. Those involve Independence Day. Roland Emmerich did a, 
an interview recently where he shed some light on Independence Day's two sequels. Get this. And they will be called ID Forever Part 1 and ID Forever Part 2. Obviously, he felt that the hardest part is going to be getting the cast back together. Um, Independence Day, the original, will be returning to theaters in 3D in 2013. Roland Emmerich confirmed that ID Forever Part 1 and ID Forever Part 2 will be in 3D, but due to the fact that he is unhappy with the standard of 3D cameras, he will be produ- he will be converting the films to 3D post-production, which we know after seeing uh, Clash of the Titans in 3D how well that works. I honestly could give less of a fuck about an Independence Day sequel, much less two of them. We got to make sure that we get the original cast back. Also, obviously, Will Smith, Bill Pullman, and Jeff Goldblum. I could give two shits about Vivica Fox coming back. But at least those three guys, Jeff Goldblum, I don't think he's really doing anything, so whatever. Bill Pullman, what's he up to? Who knows? But that's the only way I would even be remotely giving a damn about this. In some other news, and this is a, a trip down memory lane for those of you that grew up in the 80s and 90s, uh, and are familiar with the movie Heathers, starring Winona Ryder, Christian Slater, and all of the beautiful people during the 80s and 90s, they are actually looking to bring Heathers back as a TV show. According to Entertainment Weekly, they want to bring it back and air it on the Bravo Network. Number one, that the, the Heathers brand is so CW-friendly, but of all the networks, you're going to go with Bravo... And now the Heathers are going to be called the Ashleys. Ridiculous. But this is what we're looking at. 300 sequel, which is why I played the clip for the movie segment. Originally was going to be the Battle of Artemisia. Will now be called 300 Rise of an Empire. Obviously, this is going to follow uh, the the Greek general... Thamakalis as he leads Athens against the Persian invaders simultaneously while the Battle of Thermopylae is going on from the first 300 films. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they tie all that together. Obviously, Gerard Butler said that he is not involved in this new one. So how they plan on tying those stories together remains to be seen. Now, this particular bit of news I really wanted to dig a little deeper into with Slick. Um, But obviously, time permitting, well, time definitely is not on our side, so we're going to get into this a little bit more next week. But Bleeding Cool actually gave us a little bit of news regarding Transformers 4. Um, Hasbro CEO Brian Goldner gave tremendous insight into what's going to be going on. He said that Transformers Dark of the Moon did very well financially, but that it did not do very well in merchandising. Thus, the company will be bringing in a new cast of robots that they can market as toys. The fourth film right now is being written by Aaron Kruger with an expected release date of June 27th, 2014. Obviously, Michael Bay is directing, and they're saying that the budget for this one will be smaller. Not only that, but they're going to have this film take place off-planet. Michael Bay said that he is setting the stage for a new director to take over the franchise. Now, here's a couple of things. Me and Slick had a very thorough conversation about this. Obviously, we're going off-world. Okay. You want to sell toys. Okay. Here's where I see it going. And we talked about this. Obviously, you got to bring back Optimus Prime. 
You got to bring back Bumblebee because those always sell. Now, if you want to talk about characters that move toys, you got to bring in Hot Rod, Blur, and the Dinobots. Simple as that. Slick is now telling me that there's word that Optimus isn't in the movie, which would suck completely because that is the most recognizable and iconic character. But I don't know how true that is because I did post that Transformers teaser poster and Prime was still in there. I honestly think, like I said, Hot Rod can be involved, Blur, you know, characters that are flashy. You can use some really cool sports cars, fun stuff like that. And of course, I've always said you got to use the Dinobots in some capacity. If you can put them in War for Cybertron, which takes place off-world, you can put them in the film. Oh, man, now uh, Ravage is saying that Optimus got canned as of... T- Ugh. No Optimus Prime is an automatic fucking failure with a capital F. That's all I gotta say. You know what? I'm not gonna go too crazy into this for that reason. So, I'm gonna dig a little deeper and get the scoop, and then we're gonna really hit this next week. But, like I said, Hot Rod, Blur, Dinobots will sell toys. You don't want to mess with Megatron? Bring in Galvatron, use the swoops, um, maybe get in Bruticus. We could get a combiner that actually looks good and not like that terrible uh, Devastator that they used with the fucking balls hanging out. So we're going to dig deep and talk about that next week. I know that Dark Helmet was saying I should play the boo sound effect for it, but until I have all the details, it would not do it justice. So let's move on and get into some other stuff. Pirates of the Caribbean 5, it's a no-brainer. It has started filming. They are saying that they will be bringing back Will Turner's character because obviously Orlando Bloom has so much to do. He's super busy, Orlando Bloom. Other than playing Legolas and fucking The Hobbit, he is swamped with movie offers. So yeah, come back to the franchise that actually means something. In some other sequel news, Universal confirmed that we will be getting another Bourne film as well as a sequel to Ted, which, you know, whatever, Ted was good, but another Bourne film, obviously probably Jeremy Renner at the helm, unless you put him and Matt Damon together finally in a movie, I think Bourne is kind of starting to run its course. How much more can you tell? I have no, I have amnesia, what am I going to do? Blah, blah, fucking blah. Nobody cares, but we are getting a sequel to Ted and that makes me happy because obviously Ted is awesome. So that's all good. Last but not least, the Godzilla film, well, the Godzilla remake or reboot, however you want to, however you want to classify it will be hitting theaters May 16th, 2014. It will be distributed by Warner brothers and legendary pictures. They're saying that The Godzilla design returns back to its iconic roots. We're not going to get the giant iguana that we all know and love oh so well. Gareth Edwards is going to be doing it. He did a really great job with the movie Monsters. If you get a chance, I recommend you check it out on Netflix. It's awesome. Really enjoyed it. So I think he's definitely going to give it justice. And not only that, like I said, Godzilla maintains his iconic look. I'm sure they're going to modernize it a little bit, give it a little bit more of... Uh, of a more aggressive feel, but I'm just looking forward to hearing this shit again. That's all I want to hear. Because I'm a huge kaiju fan, I'm a big fan of the Godzilla movies, Um, 
I own most of them in some shape or form, whether it's on old DVD. I, I even got some on VHS. We're not going to go man in the rubber suit, Dark Helmet. Get the fuck out of here. We've, we're beyond that. Maybe some solid CGI or maybe an into a little mix of rubber suit and CGI. Who knows at this point? But Gareth Edwards being involved gives me a little hope that it's not going to be a steaming pile of shit. All right. That's going to wrap things up for this week. And um, yeah, that's it. Obviously, next week, once I get a little bit more information about Transformers 4 and what Michael Bay is doing, we will discuss it at length. Until then, I'm Rich. On behalf of Slick and the rest of Team MTR, I am out of here. I will catch you guys next week. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 154 for Thursday, September 13th, 2012. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of MTR or have any questions or concerns, you can always email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. We're on social media, Twitter, at mytakeradio. Become a fan on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash mytakeradio. Add us to your circle on Google Plus as well. Last but not least, you can get access to all the original MTR content, including MTR Beyond the Mic and MTR Behind the Mic, as well as the Minority Film Report and countless other exclusives by picking up the My Take Radio app. It's $1.99, cheaper than a cup of coffee. You can pick it up for your Android devices at the Amazon Marketplace or iTunes for iOS. You can also listen to My Take Radio on MyTakeRadio.com by clicking the Listen tab, and you'll be able to listen to the Blog Talk Radio feed there. You can also catch us on Stitcher iTunes, the Zune Marketplace, TuneIn Radio, Futurecast Media, and any other podcatchers. For those of you that subscribe to the site via RSS, we will be posting, we have been posting the episodes there, so you can subscribe via RSS, get all the MTR content, plus all the shows as well. Alright guys, I'm out of here. Thanks for listening. As always, it's been real. I will catch y'all next week. Taking us out this week, another dance by Pulling Punches. You can check them out, facebook.com forward slash Pulling Punches. You can also look for them on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Pulling Punches. If you want to get their album, you can go to pulling, uh, pullingpunches.bandcamp.com. Actually, no. Let me let me give you guys the right URL. Um, yeah, it is pullingpunches.bandcamp.com. You can pick up their two albums uh, pulling punches the debut, and you can also pick up their album, the 1993 demo, at pullingpunches.bandcamp.com.